Vagabonds, ne'er do wells, and indeed, undecideds. <laughs> Welcome to the post Infinity War world. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, really, only one of us should have been here, but more on that later. Uh, da, 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 minor spoiler. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, welcome to Big Damn Cast. I am everything you ever dreamed of. But, like, now you're a little bit older, and those dreams aren't really your top priority, but you're still kind of a burdened with it. And someone brought you for your birthday, so you're sort of like, oh, and you've got to be happy you've got it. So, yeah, I'm that. And I was the soul stone all along. Oh, you were inside us the whole time. <laughs> which is why your court date is scheduled for next uh, month. Oh. Um, so, uh, speaking of, some good news first. Good Co- news? Cosby's going down. Hey! Uh, yay, isn't that a happy story? With consent this story? time. Oh, oh, no! Stop! Bad person! <laughs> <laughs> Bad! Bad joke. Yeah, Bill Cosby's been uh, officially convicted on three charges of sexual assault. Um, the reason it really went through apparently was because the cases that are now technically without out of the dated period where you can actually prosecute based on certain things um, were that insurmountable in the evidence for those. It's called something like uh, uh, the history of past indecency. Yeah, it can yeah. be brought into play as evidence if it has uh, a relation to the current crime. Yeah. Uh, so even if you can't be charged for those, those crimes can be used as evidence for the current one. Ha uh, So, yeah, he's looking at a reduced sentence due to certain things like age and, and whatnot, blah, 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 of possibly 10 years per crime. So that's 30 years in prison. Dude is 82. Yeah. He is not getting out of there. Nah. Uh, but at least he isn't going to um, sexually assault and or rape people anymore. So that's Jello Pudding. That's oh no. Now onto a funny no, story. No, no, no. On onto a humorous story. Uh, Kanye West this week said <laughs> oh, to no, TMZ. No, 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 no. Said to TMZ that slaves chose to be slaves. No, um, no. Let's not talk about Kanye West. But then a really good guy on the team called Van, a really cool journalist, like stood up to him basically and was in the middle of the interview. God was like, "I'm sorry, I've got to disagree with you on that. Like your platform, you saying things like that is incredibly re- reckless and irresponsible. And I just, I can't, I can't, I can't." Except that you're doing that here on our premises, and it was just like, oh my god, someone at TMZ has more than just an annoying life. <laughs> someone um, stood up to Kanye West. Yeah, oh god, isn't the world weird? The world this past couple weeks, especially in the realms of entertainment, bleeding into real world issues and more disturbing avenues. It's 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 refreshing to know that there are still pockets of that world that we can go to for escapism. Uh, even if that pocket is a pocket reality where shit gets fucked up and all of your dreams die. But again, we'll move on to Infinity War. No. In <coughs> good time. No. And uh, we're going to be looking at all your emails later. There's quite a lot. Yeah, there's um, so many emails this week. And we're going to talk Infinity War. We're going to talk about it spoiler-free briefly. And because, then we will yeah, give a warning. You because... can kind of only talk about it briefly spoiler-free. Yeah. This, I mean, you've seen it. Like, 
Yeah. If if the way we record and release this show were different, we would have like been talking about it last week. But that is not the way it is. So because yeah. of that, we're not going to pussyfoot around. We assume that if you want to see it, you've already seen it. If things were different, it would have been different. But they're not, so it isn't. Yeah, in many ways. Yeah. But first, a genuinely kind of happy entertainment story. Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp second trailer dropped. Yippee! We're getting this in July. This is the next. This is the next uh, Marvel movie. What? the fuck did it bring this time? We got Luis <laughs> returning. We got um, and, some... And in the back of shot, we didn't get to see all three of the guys, if I recall, but in the back of shot, out of focus, that is definitely David DeSmolchin. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, in, he's there. So it's he's the full in there. crew. Okay. He's in there. Um, uh, and we got some great uh, Hope and Scott interplay and Michael Douglas being cranky old Hank Pym. And also <laughs> quantum realm stuff. Mm. And interestingly, there's still one main cast member of this movie that has not been touched on in the trailers. Morton Goggins. Oh no, he's he was in this one. Briefly, he's in the front of that car. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. At the start, yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, Who? Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, she's on the poster. Yeah, we've got a first look at her face, and she's um, she's wearing some sort of suit. Suet. <laughs> no, she's some not wearing. She's not suet. wearing animal fat dumplings. Oh. <laughs> Please. Have some decency! Dumplings are nice, though, aren't they? Yeah, they are nice. In many ways. Um, Um, As is Michelle Pfeiffer, but we don't see in this trailer, so we'll have to assume assume. that she's nice. But, Um, uh, yeah. uh, We see a lot more of Ghost. Which looks cool, because Uh, it looks like it's more of a of a petty crime angle that starts to get bigger and out of hand. Yeah, yeah. Which is nice, because normally the villains is that kind of thing of, I have a plan, and this is the plan I'm going to go with. And, <laughs> oh, and the stakes will be unbelievably high! Um, I wonder if she's going to look extra creepy at any point. Because the ghost, traditionally, is, is a really quite lanky, emaciated, really yeah. lanky dude, isn't he? Like, with a proper really scrawny limbs. And, um So it could be, I mean, it could be a visual thing, because the visual effect for her looks really cool. Yeah. Like, in the suit, when she's phasing, she's sort of constantly, like, jittering. Yeah. Like... Uh, so that could that could create some nice visuals, but well, they sort of it's t- a pretty clean tech suit version of the, Ghost. The Luis, um, like sort of voiceover, sort of links <laughs> Ghost's powers to the quantum realm. So, oh, okay, that could be interesting. Um, so it's not shrinkage, but it's sort of like traveling through the gaps in atoms. Oh no, you don't want shrinkage at Hampim's age. Um, oh God, Scott, I need you to bring me the Viagra. <laughs> Ant- I don't know what you're using this for. Uh, <laughs> um, Ant playing drums. Yes! There's an ant playing the drums. Because of course there is. I think um, we can assume it's probably the ant from the last one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was being fed scraps under the table. Scott Lang being kind of an incompetent <laughs> Ant-Man. Giant salt shaker. That was the best bit. Of the and trailer, um, Bill Foster and Scott Lang comparing sizes. Which is great! Like, the idea that... <laughs> so for those who don't know, like, Bill Foster is is a former Avenger. Um, very he, former, because he's fucking dead. Yeah, have they brought him back? I don't think they have brought him back, actually. No, he's, he's, he's like, in the Uncle Ben club. <laughs> like, staying dead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah. Uh, he was Goliath. And... It was, well, he was Black Goliath, originally, because everyone yeah. had to be called... Every black hero had to be Black something. But yeah, then he just became Goliath. <laughs> yeah, because at the time, it was like an empowering choice that all yeah. the publishers were making. And then over time, they were like, it just looks like we're categorising the black heroes in their own thing in a way that's a bit like, oh, no, yeah. you're, 
You're not Goliath. You're Black Goliath. But also, it's Hank, like, oh, it's sort of having the reverse effect of what we were doing. Hank Pym was also Goliath for a little bit, and yeah, then Clint Barton was Goliath for a little bit. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? <laughs> Leading into the Kree Scroll War, he <laughs> was like, I'm not Hawkeye anymore. I'm Goliath now. I don't have bows and arrows. I just get big. Um, I punch shit. Maybe we'll see that in a future Avengers film. Who knows? Maybe um, um, uh, hashtag West Hawkeye. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> but that one, yeah. the angle they're taking with it's quite, quite nice because it, it's the same as with Hank Pym in as, oh, you did this years back on the down low like Hank did. Yeah, not that down low, at least 21 <clears throat> feet up though. 65. 65. That's my record. Um, yeah, I again, it just looks fun. And I think it's quite nice that um, they've released it in the week fallout from, the, the week's fallout, not yeah. the week fallout. Fallout the week's is fallout not week from Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, and that the marketing tied into it a bit because there was a teaser for the new teaser trailer a couple of days before it came out featuring some of the cast of Infinity War being like, where were Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah. And like them kind of, you know, debating it. And, and that's, that that time marketing for some of this stuff has been brilliant. Who ate Ant-Man? Um, I'll do one better. Why is Ant-Man <laughs> Why is Ant-Man? Um, um, no, well, why that, is Ant-Man not out yet? That's nice. Because it's out in July, Scar- that's why. Scarlett Johansson teases the crap out of everybody in that because she goes like, probably the same place as Hawkeye? Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> no! Um, and then the trailer just, like, the end of the assault with people asking questions just cuts to Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly looking at each other like, well, and then yeah. teaser, a tra- new trailer in two well, days. Well, like, great, that is how you do it. Um, it's going to be a nice bit of recovery after the sort of the big grand scope bleak, you know, uh, mega crossover event of Infinity War to know that the next Marvel film is going to let us take a bit of a breather with a, an individual story. Which Ant-Man did the same thing after yeah. Age of Ultron. So we're going to get um, that again. And also, <laughs> also, it can be interesting to see how it ties in with what happens in Infinity War. Mm. Um... I think Marvel turned around and said that it's set before Infinity War. So it's set that between Civil right. War and Infinity War. <laughs> that sounds um, right. But that I think there's been also rumblings that they will kind of dovetail together towards the end. Which would make sense. Yeah, maybe maybe your, your mid-credit scene or your post-credit yeah. scene is where the two play catch-up. Or maybe it takes place concurrently with Infinity War. Yeah, I don't know. I think to keep it a comedy, you'd have to avoid um, the Infinity War tie-in during the main film itself. Either maybe, way. Maybe, maybe, probably, maybe mid-credits. It'll something. probably mostly be standalone. <clears throat> yeah. And that's fine. Because, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then we get Captain Marvel in March. Yeah, we do. And then we get Aven- the as-yet-untitled Avengers 4. Yeah, in May. Again. Which yeah. um, Kevin Feige has been turning around and saying, yeah, we- I kind of regret not revealing the title now because everyone's made it out to be this huge thing and it's kind of not. <laughs> it's just we didn't want to talk about it until Infinity War was out. Fair enough. So, oh yeah, I, I remember the Russos near the time of, of, of it, because originally for ages it was called Infinity War and Infinity War Part 2. Yeah. Uh, and then briefly, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, but one of the actors referred to the second one as Infinity Gauntlet. No, it was in an interview, Zoe Saldana mistakenly referred to Infinity right. War as, as Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet. Gauntlet. <clears throat> and then the second one was Infinity War, but... um. That was refuted, um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting time for Marvel movies. Um, it it, the the grand experiment is in its final phase. Yeah. Um, oh God. Yeah. What a weird thought as well. Like, because this won't be the end. End. No, it's just the end of the beginning. 
Sorry, blood my nose like crazy. Right, I, I'm, looking at, horrible. I'm looking at you and thinking, you're a disgusting man. Do you want to love you. Do you want to lick it? No. Um, what about my nose? Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also no. Um, <laughs> O's. Yes. Follow your nose. I... Follow your nose. This is, the, this is the end of the beginning of the grand experiment that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a reason that Marvel have kind of kept details of Phase Four very close to the chest, yeah, right. outside of vagaries, um, because they're going. Pardon me. They're, it's clear that they're going to pivot away from the older cast of characters and more into the new ones. Yeah. How they do that and what form that takes, we've yet to see. But <clears throat> it's nice knowing what. It's nice having a bit of uncertainty about what exactly is coming next. Yeah, the the only movies beyond the next Avengers film that we know are happening is a is a Spider Man film. Yeah, but we don't know when or the context. Yeah, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah, but after Infinity War, it'll be interesting to see how that film tells a story. Yeah, shall we move on to the main? I think we need to talk about Infinity feast. War briefly. Briefly talking about Infinity War without spoilers. Yeah. Um, big, big warning. If you haven't seen it, you don't want it spoiled. When we tell you in a few moments' time, get the hell out of here. Because yeah. the emails are going to contain spoilers too. Yeah. If, if you sent in an email this week and you still haven't seen it and you're worried about hearing Infinity War spoilers, go and see Infinity War, then come back to listen to the email section. So the basic plot of Infinity War is... The the Avengers are fractured and 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 disbanded after and all the over the place wah. after civil war, um, <laughs> and Thanos has come is coming to get all the Infinity Stones, and you better look out because he's Thanos and he's gonna get all those stones, and when he gets all those stones, some shit's gonna go down, so you better stop him getting all the stones and that's, to avoid the shit going down. That's that's Infinity War, two hours and forty minutes of that and. It- Oh boy, is it good! It's not a it's not a solid film as a singular product. Oh no, it's absolutely a culmination of everything that's come before. If you go into this not having seen at least most of the other Marvel movies, but yeah. particularly um, Civil War, Black Panther, the other Avengers movies, um, and the Thor Ragnarok, Ragnarok helps a bit, yeah. yeah, for the weight of it all. Then <clears throat> you can't you. Like you're not gonna, <clears throat> but because they've done all that setup work, it just allows you to have a movie that this packed with this many characters that you don't have to establish and just go from set piece to set piece to set piece to plot beat to plot beat to plot beat without having to worry about catching everyone up on it because you just they trust that their audience has come with them on this journey because of course they have. I mean, look at the grosses for the Marvel films. Everyone has seen them. Yeah. Everyone's gonna go and see this, <clears throat> knowing who everyone is, what everyone's deal is where they're coming from, and then... So you don't have to waste any time on that. You can just say, okay, well, this is the journey we're going on now. And if you want a pre-marathon, I think the easiest way to do it is to just watch Civil War onwards. If you want a pre-marathon, the 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 best way to do it is just watch all of them. Well, yeah, but if if you were like, oh, I've still not seen it yet, I kind of really wanted to watch them all again before I go, but I want to see it before, you know, people tell me too much about it. Skip Civil War. Because Civil War gives you the context for all the characters involved in that story. Yeah. Doctor Strange will give you a big chunk of context for what you're going to see visually and, and what uh, the yes, importance of certain things. Yes, yes. 
Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 will bring you up to speed with those characters again and their relationships. Yes. And there's the history of Thanos is touched on in that film through Nebula and Gamora's conversations. Yes. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming, optional. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, other than being a pretty cool Spider-Man story, has little to no bearing on, on this in terms of... Like, Spider-Man is Spider-Man in this. He's like... Yeah. They've not done anything <laughs> radical with Spider-Man in There's the MCU one conversation yet, between... Peter and Tony in this movie that feels like a little reward for those who watched Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, in terms of yeah, their yeah. Car- where their to- their relationship is at, and that's about it. Um, definitely watch Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah, like Thor Ragnarok. This basically Thor Ragnarok picks up... feels like the prologue. Yeah, to this movie. Yeah, this, this movie. Yeah. It's not a spoiler to say because right at the start, this movie picks up pretty much where Thor Ragnarok leaves off. Mm. Like that's that's where it's at. Y'all. Y'all! Uh, <clears throat> and that's that. I mean, that that's your shorthand reading. Um, when I say it doesn't work as a film just of its own, it's because this is a new way of storytelling. Uh, that's not me excusing it from not being structured like something we traditionally see. Um, it's definitely out of the 19 Marvel films up to this point, the least coherent as a central, uh, as, as its own product. Yeah. Um, but that's because everything else so far has been an individual story or a direct sequel to that individual story. Yeah. This is the first one that is basically it's a crossover event. It's, it's, it's a, a crossover event yeah, more than it's it is a direct a sequel yeah. to all of them. Yeah. It, it it's yeah. pulling all the threads of the MCU together. That stupid New York Times a New uh, New Yorker. Article, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, about it. The review for it in the New Yorker was dreadful and the reviewer was basically like the film expects you to be aware of who everybody is and understand their individual motivations. Off the bat, it doesn't pause to to breathe and let oh, you yeah. know who they are. This How... and, the other, and so many the replies on Twitter were golden. This is the nineteenth film in a series. Yeah, a series that has, for the most part, given you individual experiences, yeah. but every now and again goes, "Thanks for sticking with us." Here's a treat, and also <laughs> like, here's a treat where you just get to see some things mashed together. It's a it's a it's a film which is the nineteenth film in a series, which stars characters who were already icons of part of pop culture, and in the last decade have become household names mm. and part of pop culture, up to date, everywhere you look, Marvel stuff. There it is. It's there. Soak it up, Sonny Jim. Iron Man. They made Iron Man a fucking household name. <laughs> Iron Man. The Guardians of the Galaxy. Jesus Christ. Rocket Raccoon and Groot are household names now. And you are complaining about this 19th film in a film series. Oh, it doesn't make sense on its own. Because you need to watch it in fucking context. It's like jumping to season four of a TV show and going, I don't know who any of these people are. Well, one of the top Twitter comments, which is wonderful. Someone said something like, I've just leapt into the finale of Breaking Bad. Am I supposed to care about who this Walter White gentleman is? I know, right? What's a Jesse? What's I'm, a Jesse? I didn't understand any What's of it. What's a Jesse? Do you know what I mean? It's just like you, it fucking. I mean, for starters, even if you even if you don't want to consider the previous eighteen movies, it's at least the sequel in name alone to two other films, yeah. which would give you enough context to understand who everyone is in terms of your main players. And I think the film does a good job because the film is definitely at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's an Avengers film. Yeah, as such, it takes time to sort of 
visually introduce Doctor Strange and Wong. Like, they're pretty much there almost immediately. But the scene that then plays out with those characters, you're like, you get to see a bit more and a bit more of, like, what they do and who they are. And you go, okay. Yeah. The film definitely introduces the Guardians of the Galaxy. It reintroduces Thor after his, like, tonal shift slash world shake-up. Like, it, it, do, it does the jobs. But then by the sort of 25, 30 minute mark of the movie, you realise this movie isn't the Avengers movie. It's, it's the every, it's, it's the, uh, <laughs> it's the Thanos movie. It's, it's Thanos, the movie, the film, the book of the TV adaptation of the, uh, pamphlet. Boy, was Thanos <laughs> worth the wait. That was the biggest worry about this movie. It's like, yeah. are they gonna, are they gonna land Thanos? Is he gonna be? Is he gonna have gravity and weight and depth and breadth and girth and, and just ball sack of a chin? Just, just rock hardness. Um, <laughs> so what's it, it was called referred to as big purple nuts. Big purple nuts. <laughs> Grimace. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, fucking God. Thanos is great. We we got the Fisk formula again yeah um, first three episodes of daredevil you you hear about this person who's in charge of everything and you don't know too much about him but you know that one mega scary assassin would rather kill himself than confront him yeah and you get the sense of who is this guy and then by the time you meet him you're like oh he's not that scared and then by the end of the next end of that episode <laughs> yeah. you're like oh no oh yeah, yeah. he's yeah. terrifying he's he's great um thanos has been like that he's basically been a prick tease for the last six years. Yeah, he showed up, sat in his chair a bit. Yeah. Well, like, like, vaguely threatening. I mean, like, like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy in that film alone, like, he is, he's the, he's the guy funding the villain. Yeah. He just, he just spends the whole thing sat in a chair. Yeah. Like, Being... uh, but, and, and at the end of the movie, like, you know, Ronan gets the power stone and there's like, right, I'm going to screw stuff up and then I'm coming for you. And then he cuts Thanos off and you're like, right, what's going on? What's going on? You never get to see, like, the repercussions of it all, but, <laughs> You get the sense that the people working for him, you know, are in shaky allegiances and don't want to be with him. Oh, yeah. Either because they think he's a monster or because they're frightened of him. You're like, okay. Gamora Nebula essentially fled from him by going to do stuff for other, like, for his other yeah. operatives. Um, Nebula seems a bit more loyal at first, but it's, I suppose it's more a case of, like, I'm the favourite now. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, like, you know, after that, it's more just little visual teases. In fact, I think the last time we saw him uh, was um, the, uh, Age of Ultron t- uh, post credits. Age of Ultron post credits, yeah, and then and then he's spoken about in Guardians Volume Two by yeah, Gamora yeah. Nebula, and that's it. But it's laid enough that even someone who doesn't know who the character is, who's just just a fan of the movies, would be like, "Oh, you know, Thanos. He's uh, Gamora's dad. Um, he's uh, he's the guy with the 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 the, the glove." The, the Wonder Glove, the, the creepy smiley purple face man, <laughs> that guy. So like, the, the, you know, the, the Eternity was, Mitten. There was the tease of of. Uh, <laughs> oh god! <laughs> Do you create the film titles for the Asylum's DVD release? <laughs> um, oh. Thin Win, Eternity Mitten. <clears throat> but yeah, so it's like he's been teased enough. It was a worry that like he wasn't really going to live up to the thing because again, the marketing's been doing a whole like it's all been leading to this. And what I think the marketing meant was not that this is the finale, because I mean, it's part one of the finale, but more that, you know, oh yeah, yeah, all that work we put in, all that stuff you watched, thanks. This is the payoff. This is the payoff. This is the payoff. This is where the payoff begins, motherfuckers. Um, 
and Thanos is a big part of that, he had to feel like a formidable threat. And boy, howdy, does he. Uh, not only that, probably the best performance capture work throughout these movies. Oh, Josh Brolin's great in this. You really, just keep forgetting that he's a CGI character. Yeah, it's, it's actually really underplayed in parts. Which is it, wonderful. There's only a few really times where good. he raises his voice, even. Yeah. It's like you have this big, scary, hulking behemoth, which the internet apparently has uh, decided he's thick and people fancy him. Thick with a double C. He is thick with a double C. Like, there's Definitely no getting is. around that. He's got, he's, aside from the broader shoulders, he's got a bit of a dad bod going on. He's, a, he's, got, he's, <laughs> he's got his big purple dad bod. Like. <laughs> the dad you, bod stone is his seventh secret found, weapon. If, if you found yourself a fan of David, Har- <laughs> David Harbour. <laughs> Then you're gonna love Thanos. Oh god! If someone could just uh, animate a mock-up of Thanos doing that dance from Stranger Things yes, season please. two, I think we'll all be very happy. Yes, please. Um, but certain people will be very happy. <laughs> but yeah, he starts the starts the movie uh, looking like we've seen him look so far, and then we get Infinity War version of Thanos, which is just the strip back. Don't need yeah. this armor. I want to announce my arrival. I want people to see me. Well, I don't need to cover my body anymore. I want to mention a little bit of that in this <laughs> boiler because I, I've, I've got a theory. Um, that it's a demon. It's a dancing demon. Yeah, it oh, is. Something isn't right. It uh, is a dancing demon. I got a theory. Um, I, I just, I, is dreaming. It's, it's... Sorry, I'll suck it. It's back in front No. Yeah. No. Just Whedon isn't involved in this anymore. But he does look a bit like Thanos. Um, be painted in purple now. <laughs> the Russo brothers do a hell of a job. God, they do. They got um, a lot to juggle. Do you think... They're taking bets on like how many characters you think we can juggle at the next one, guys. <laughs> what well, I think Civil War was a test run. It was a warm up. Yeah, it was an audition for this. Uh, and and that doesn't that's not to dismiss that movie, but it does feel like they were testing waters. Uh, I mean, one thing for example, a lot of this film we know was shot um, separately. A lot of the actors didn't work with each other. I think it was more a case of those who were in the scenes with each other were there on set. But wherever they could avoid it, people weren't interacting within the same space. And the reason for this was just to help with secrecy. Yeah. Um, so I don't think anyone got the full script. Uh, yeah, a few people managed to get it. They had to make full appointment. I think Paul Bettany's one. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Pom Clementif, I think, got around to reading it all. Yeah. Uh, a few a few people did. Robert Downey Jr. claims that he has, but... You sort of joked about it at the time when he talked about it. So it's like, did he or did he just? I don't know. Wait, what? But uh, yeah, the 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 actors and, and people on the on the production crews could request the full script if need be. But it was like a five hour appointment to do it in this one location where they were given like this special iPad that had a code. Oh God. Um. Yeah, and it was it was all that sort of stuff. But there was also a fake version of the script. That was like ninety percent the same, but certain scenes were different, but definitely completely written out, mm-hmm. just in case scripts uh, scripts leaked. So it's like, what? So it's how many of those actors actually read the real one, or did they read the fake one? It's like mental. But in Civil War, they did some similar in terms of people filming separately for secret's sake. Tom Holland, it seems, wasn't present for any of the uh, airport filming. <laughs> he was always. He all filmed all of this stuff in a studio, sometimes in costumes, sometimes in a mocap suit. Yeah, because I guess they were testing the waters of the Spider-Man outfit and what they yeah. could do with it. Um, the only other actor he shot with for the airport sequence in Civil War was Chris Evans for their little tete-a-tete yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, it wasn't on location; that was all done 
uh, green screen studio with props and stuff like that. That's pretty fucking seamless it's as well. Because I think, I think a lot of Chris Evans' shots and that were done on site as well, just yeah. to be sure. Um, <clears throat> it was pretty, pretty damn seamless. Uh, the only scenes that he shot like with the complete cast and sets and everything was the stuff in Queens at yep. the midpoint of the movie. <clears throat> um, so, keeping that in mind, they've obviously utilised that technique a lot to make this one. Uh, because certain actors definitely weren't there together, um, certain stuff was kept separate. Yeah, uh, it's it's remarkable, and it's it's odd because I, I remember being really like, "Oh, it's going to be a bit iffy." When I found out that none of them really knew exactly the full story, some yeah. of them all, I think some of them claim that they only know, only knew what their lines were, and they were given enough context by the Russos. Yeah. To make it work, it's definitely that's like worrying. As an actor, that feels like you're driving blind. It's a machine. Yeah, but they're all. That, the thing is that they've got a great cast of proven actors. Yeah, like that's it's, true. It's true. Even the young, even the younger ones, like Tom Holland, have, has, has come out and like and done Civil War and and Spider-Man: Homecoming plus whatever like non-superhero stuff he's done and pro- and proved himself capable enough to be like, oh yeah, I can handle this, no problem. Yeah, well, maybe not the secret keeping. Well, him um, and Ruffalo are the two most notorious. Oh, Matt Ruffalo's ridiculous, Have you seen it? that footage come back from an interview about a year ago where he joked about what happened I've it? seen the headlines, but I've, yeah, I, I can't it, remember. It's just I, a very brief bit where so someone says, like, you know, so that, that being part one or part two, like, you know, how do you juggle, like, the filming and things like that? And he says, well, obviously, you know, you're dealing with big cliffhangers and stuff, because in the first one, like, you know, everybody... Um, everybody dies, and <laughs> and he carries on talking away um, without without giving away how much of a spoiler that is, because it's not accurate what he said, but it can certainly be interpreted a certain way. Don Cheadle looks at him because he's in the interview with him, and he just gives him this look, like says like, "Dude, dude," and then Ruffalo carries on like dude. that, like says what he said then, and Cheadle goes like, "Okay, yeah," because because, because they're all laughing. But the thing is, what he said isn't exactly inaccurate. <laughs> spoilers are on the way. Just a moment. Well, we just do we just dive into spoilers? Like, I don't, I'm not sure how much more we can say. Yeah, let's wrap up with without... the curious. Really solid villain. Really great to see all the characters together. Some really nice team ups that you never in a million years dreamed they'd do, but it works. Yeah. Um, especially including one where someone picks up someone else so they can both fire their guns at the same time. It's, that is a magical freaking moment. Um, it's still <laughs> got the trademark uh, Marvel humour and it's yeah. used to counterpoint the fact that this is a much darker movie yeah. in a very smart way. But make no mistake, this is very much cliche as it is, this is very much the Empire Strikes Back of the MCU. Yeah. It's. I uh, my my friends took their nine year old and their six year old to see it last weekend, and I was I was concerned that those kids would have a bit of an adverse reaction to some of the stuff that's in this movie. They didn't, especially the kind of how it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so you know, we've got I've got the seal of approval from younger kids that they can handle it. But just be aware. There is some dark stuff in this movie. Mm. Um and like I say they balance it as well as as well as can be expected with the humour, but it definitely veers more towards the dark dark tone towards the end. Certainly not DCEU dark. Yeah, of course. But dark for the Marvel universe. Um It's great. It's just it's it's a real accomplishment of technical filmmaking in terms of structure 
and um, character work and long-form storytelling across multiple films and payoff. And it's real good-looking spectacle sci-fi bonkers fun. Yeah. It's, With a dark edge. like it, It's the beginning of the end. <coughs> no, it's the end of the beginning. What? The end of the beginning. It's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. This is the dawning of the age, age of, of Aquarius. Aquarius. The age, age of, of Aquarius. Aquarius. Um, Aquarius. Everything that comes with the suggestion <laughs> given with the <laughs> with that phrase is definitely there. You're gonna have a lot of fun. By the sounds of it, your kids or at least you know yeah. sort of six and ups are definitely gonna get it and have fun. Um. Prepare to sob quietly. Prepare, yeah. Prepare for some emotions. Prepare for some feels, because they get you. They get you, mm. and they know how to get you. And we're going to talk about how they get you because this is your final spoiler warning. Final spoiler warning for Avengers: Infinity War. We're going to be talking emails after this as well, so the rest of the podcast can be considered unsafe for spoilers. Spoilers for the rest of this podcast. Do not listen further if you haven't seen Infinity War and you want to remain spoiler free. You got that? Okay. Let's go. So when So everyone dies. Oh my god! <laughs> and we can actually say that. That's true. And it makes sense now. Well, not everyone. Um, you 50% know. of everyone. Well, across te- the known universe. Technically more than 50% of the main characters as well. Yeah. More die than don't. That's true. Well, let's begin. Let's do at, the body count. At the beginning. Begin the begin. The, for sh- the surefire, not taken out by magical contrivance body count is three. Yeah. We got three main characters of the movie series getting taken out. Yeah. Two uh, within the opening five minutes of the movie. Yeah, which I did like, not expect. <laughs> Heimdall goes out summoning the dark magics uh, to bring about the Bifrost on it on his own accord once more yeah. to plummet Hulk back to Earth um, to act as this story, Silver Surfer. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is nice. And then um, is stabbed through the chest by Corvus's glaive. Wielded by Thanos. Corvus Glaive's Corvus Glaive. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, by Corvus Glaive. And uh, then Loki in a rather, like, mate, yeah, where did you think this was going to go, but it was the nobility of what he was doing that was the point. And also it was pretty, it was pretty gnarly. Like, I thought that was going to yeah. be the one that got the kids. Like that On was... my second viewing, uh, was which was like, yesterday, whoa. man, um... I was surprised by how visually graphic that looked. Yeah, he's basically choked out by Thanos, and then you just quietly hear his neck snap. And also, like his 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 skin goes pale and his veins start well, to stand out. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, he he has a bit of the frost giant blue to him. The watery eye, the eyes, yeah. his eyes get bigger, like yeah. they're sticking out. Like it's unpleasant. Um, and then he's dropped. The freaking corpse is dropped in front of a helpless Thor. For him to look at whilst the rest of the ship blows to pieces. Just that great sort of muted scream through the gag. Mm. That's really good. Oh, it's horrible, man. But it's like that opening scene was like, yeah, here's the mission statement. Well, it's with Game it's of like, Thrones Thron- it up in this It's how you establish what Thanos is a threat. You know, yeah. You have him kill two main characters. Well, I've, I've him kill one and have his mate kill another. 
and then have him beat the shit out of the Hulk with his bare hands. He beats the Hulk. Yeah. Thanos beats the Hulk so bad. How bad is also, it? He beats him so bad that he doesn't want to come out yeah, and fucking he play. He beats for the, the rest Hulk of the into movie. submission. Yeah. At least that's what we're assuming is, is the, yeah. the Hulk's beef, but yeah. Because no matter how hard Banner tries, for the rest of the movie, Hulk will not come out. To the point of appearing sort of yeah. to basically protest and scream, No! And then disappear again. Like, my inner fanboy was having a fucking whale of a time watching that fight. Yeah. Because I was just like, okay. Every now and again, especially because we were marathoning the films recently in the build-up to this, every now and again I have to pinch myself because I'm like, t- 10... 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. We were lucky if we got a superhero movie. Yeah. Then we started getting more. We got maybe like two a year from different companies. But so much of what made So many of them were... So much of what made you love the superheroes in the first place was stripped out of the movie versions. Yeah. And in some cases still is. I'm looking at you, Fox and X-Men. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Well, it's weird, because back then, they were the ones who were kind of getting it right to yeah. a degree. Like, those well, earlier X-Men movies at least kind of got the gist of the concept. Yeah, and... but as weirdly, <coughs> as that series has gone on, they've failed to capitalise on the more mainstream acceptance of the superhero trappings yeah. and stripped even more of what you like from the comics about X-Men out of those like, characters and X-Men stories. X-Men Apocalypse feels like a movie that wants to it be a comic book. It doesn't feel like feel an X-Men movie. It feels like a movie that wants to be a comic book movie, but it's still going through the filtered lens of the sort of comic book movie that yeah. X-Men was in yeah. 1999. Because X-Men, def- X-Men was great. When it first came out, it was like, oh my god, this is freaking awesome. I don't think it's held up particularly well. No, no, it hasn't. Uh, it's, again, I don't think it's a bad film, that first one. But no. it, it, it very much belongs in the same camp as, like, Daredevil, Ghost Rider. Oh, it's a, it's a cut above those. Oh, no, no, but I mean, like, in terms of the vibe, that it, the actual impact of the product when you come uh, out the back of yeah, it. yeah, maybe, yeah. You come out the back of it just going, yeah, that was a film about that thing, I guess. The difference is X-Men has some, has some genuinely really cool... Uh, lines of dialogue from time to time and some generally and a brilliant, ones. a brilliant cast yes like the, the reason X-Men has I think been a favourite and stayed a favourite during the 2000s is because the cast was so good for those like first three movies yeah and, and also Vinnie Jones um, <laughs> I have no hate no. for Vinnie Jones but that version of the Juggernaut is fucking awful um, yeah yeah uh, and it's just you know eh, like I think X-Men you know I, that's my theory those X-Men movies survived as well as they did and had a decent enough reputation for as long as they did because they were always very good at casting. Yeah. Origins Wolverine was the first one where it was like, really? What the fuck's going on here? And then they were like, oh, it's first class. And you go, oh, yeah. oh, good casting again. They were always very good and at then casting. also January they, Jones. They weren't always good at capitalising on that casting, though. Very true. Um, very true. Because they just, they like, left so much of what makes the characters, the characters out. Yeah. Um, and event, Infinity War actually does a really good job of that because they bring Thanos in and they sort they sort of remove his like infatuation with death. Yeah. And for the I mean better. De- definitely definitely destruction but it's not something he no he's no. not longing to hurt or destroy. It, but it, it it comes back to the cosmic. I mean in we, we were talking about this in our super villain episode. Yeah, yeah. I I miss muhaha villains to yeah. a degree because I feel like you can have a lot of fun with muhaha villains and you know like obviously sometimes it can just be that that black and white that it's like Oh, they're kind of boring, but they look cool or whatever. But sometimes you find a way to make it work. Like the Joker in 89's Batman. Yeah. He's not a sympathetic character whatsoever. Uh-uh. 
but they balance out the fact that he's just a muhaha villain by us getting to know him really well and what makes him really likable as a as a cinematic bad guy is that he takes such joy in the fucking horrible stuff that he does oh yeah and yeah. the charisma of nicholson's yeah, performance yeah. you're like i really like the joker in that movie hmm. i don't mean i like not as a person I just really like it. Like he's enter- <laughs> it's entertaining to watch that yes. character. Yeah, yeah. And I was worried that that was being kind of lost a bit more over the years. Uh, the grey area villains are becoming the thing. And that's not a bad thing. Because like some of the best superhero movie villains are the grey area ones. For example, Doc Ock, Spider-Man 2. Yes. You watch a ma- an yes. honest, good man be corrupted by a tragedy and by technology out of his control, and eventually he manages to overcome it and turn back around. Yeah. But whilst he's doing dastardly stuff, he's pretty freaking scary. And, you know, there's it, it works yeah. really well. Uh, Magneto, again, that's one thing the X-Men films and that first couple definitely get right. Magneto is 100% uh, relatable. Yeah. But he's not sympathetic because of the choices he makes. Yeah, yeah. So he's still a baddie, but you get him. So he's a great grey area villain in, in that, that first movie, especially, and, and a bit, they touch on it a bit in the second one. Yeah. And definitely in first class, even though he's not really a villain in that, whatever. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I was a bit worried that Marvel were, were losing out to just, you know, bland villains overall. Yeah. Then I saw Thanos, I was like, oh, is it, are we, we going to get like a muhaha villain? Are we going to get a big baddie? Some of the heroes have to rally around to fight. Yeah. No, yeah. Oh. Thanos isn't a muhaha villain. A He's definitely a grey area villain. We do get a muhaha villain in this. Oh, but that's the... Ebony Moore. But that's the thing. <laughs> he was great. They made the wonderful choice of going, right, Thanos will be intimidating and frightening. He'll definitely be the bad guy. Like Killmonger. Yeah. You will understand what he wants. You will sympathise with his cause, but you will understand that what he's doing to achieve it is fucking oh, his, insane. His methods are just yeah. It's so like he shouldn't like again like Killmonger. You come out of it going like he had he has yeah. a point, but he's a fucking psycho and, also when and he wants to kill people like, to make his point. There's, 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 there are ways that he could get he could do other like multiple people have said since this movie came out. It's like. Oh, if you've got the Infinity Stones, why why do you have to kill half the universe to make your resources go further? Just make infinite resources. Because he's a zealot. Yeah. He's, he's he's become so focused on this idea that he can't see any other. Yeah, any there other is no other method. way. It's, it's it's what he's needs and, to do, and he's been itching to do it. Like it obviously hasn't been his main plan. It's something that he's discovered over time. It's yeah. an option. Um, the implication of that, of course, being that. In Guardians of the Galaxy, well, in, in Avengers, we know that he has possession of at least the Mind Stone because he gives it to Loki to help with the invasion of Earth to get the Tesseract. Yeah, yeah. Like, Loki's given the, se- the the Scepter, which we find out in Age of Ultron was the Mind Stone. Like, so that's, you know, like, Thanos had one, and that was probably around the same time that he's like, it, is it possible? Can I get them all? Can I find them all? Yeah. So... Off, he knows that one of them's on Earth, the Tesseract. What? He sends Loki in to deal with that because Loki knows of the Tesseract because it was yeah. an Asgardian relic. Also, at some point yeah. prior to um, Guardians of the Galaxy, he sent Gamora to, to look find for the Soul Stone. Stone yeah. um, uh, so he's definitely on the lookout. Um, so there's that. Uh, then in Age of Ultron, at the end of Age of Ultron, we see him pick up the Gauntlet, which we now know he had forged for him yeah specifically for that purpose yeah which um you know could have been forged and then taken somewhere for him to 
to collect or yeah. whatnot and, and, and such. I imagine he forged um, it and then just had it in storage. And the Infinity Gauntlet is definitely something that is, the concept of it at least, is known as a legend, hence why there's a fake one doing the rounds yeah. sat in the Asgardian trophy room. So the, the idea is that like Thanos hasn't been thinking about this for decades, going, you know, oh, like I'm definitely going to do that, and then there's a time to go, or oh, maybe I should just like expand the living space. I or, think it's one of those. Like, or make it so that make it so that food, for example, is something that isn't as big a necessity to people's biology. Or, was, well, because he talks about it's, it's because, original, it's because original... just in the last few years, basically, he's gone. Oh, this is how I can do it. Well, and he's, he started he's, getting. He's everything. talked about the idea that because he wanted to do it on Titan. Yeah, not with the thing. You just, just yeah, you know, he just kill half what, what he'd been Titan. doing for yeah. years. Yeah, um, to and they ref- they cast him out, and then they all kill themselves. Yeah, through the pollution and the war. Of years, and... Yeah, so he... everything he predicted came true. So yeah. you're a prophet. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, and it's I'm a survivor. <laughs> oh God, he's so good. Um, so he's just, he's just run with that idea, and I just Ooh. I just I just kind of. And that, feeling yeah. that this idea has just been in the back of his mind, just gnawing at him. And, and, years and, and, years and, and years. now he's found the means to do it quicker. Yeah, because he's been doing it on a planet by planet basis. As we see in the flashbacks of Gamora's um, world. Yeah, that's how. Uh... Oh my god, and also, can we just take a minute to appreciate how this movie. I mean, obviously, it can't fix the other movie in context of itself, but this movie <laughs> sort of fixes one of the big complaints about the Chitauri and the Avengers. Is yeah. that. Oh, they just took out the ship and then they all died. So what? They're just like generic grey CGI army. Well, in that movie, it's because we didn't. We needed a non-personality for the Avengers to fight, so we could see them as a team grow and get to know them yeah. and focus on them. Yeah. This movie basically, because this movie brings in the. Uh, I'm sure this is their name, the Outriders. Yeah, that's what they're called in this. I don't know if that's what they were called in the comics. They, they were from Infinity, weren't they? But yeah, like, yeah. They, 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 this this comic, uh, this film um, introduces this. You know, six are mindless fucking feral creatures that die if that's what they're told to do. Yeah, they're just berserkers. <laughs> yeah, you just you just release and, them and point them at them something. But they've got like similar head. Like the Chitauris are a bit more elongated. Yeah, they've got yeah. lies, but like they've got sort of similar physiology to them a bit. We see the Chitauri in this movie a lot. It's basically implying that Thanos give that like, gets acquires armies of fucking mindless yeah. or or um. Uh, willless beings and uses them to act out his mission. Drones, tools, yeah. essentially. Yeah, with basic comprehension of science, or at least like using a screwdriver to put a blue woman back together. Um, <laughs> sort of. So yeah, so like, I mean, oh fuck. Let's talk about the Black Order. Sorry, Children of Thanos, but they're the Black Order. Yeah. So Black Dwarf, aka now Cull Obsidian, pretty scary looking dude. Yeah. Probably the most. Boring. Quote yeah, he just doesn't, of the doesn't say anything. He's just like a big old Hulk guy with well, they, they a chain. A, they, they make a subtle implication that he doesn't. He's not really. He's very limited intelligence in general. Yeah, yeah. Because like Ebony Moore or the character said, like said would say something and he'd kind of just sort of mumble the last word back to himself. Yeah. Um. He's 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 the muscle. Yeah. He's the dumb. The muscle. big fucking scaly muscle. Yeah. With a launching chain claw thing. Not that he's necessarily needed his muscle because Ebony Moore proves that he's oh. got the magics to spare. Let's let you know. Let's let's w- w- let's work to him. Um. Uh, uh. What the fuck did they call Black Dwarf again? Cool Obsidian. Cool Obsidian. Yeah. Cool Obsidian. Great. Cool. Fine. Great action set pieces with him. Especially his death is impressive as sin. Yeah. Um. Next up on the list, my favourite from the books, kind of underutilised here, but that's fine, I don't care, 
Uh, Corvus Glaive. Corvus Glaive, yeah. Creepy looking motherfucker. Very creepy. Proper scrawny little limbs, spiky shoulders, spiky hood, big old freaking glaive in his arm. There was a really nice moment, which I thought was cool, because in, in the comics... Well, yeah. Right on. So, uh, in the film, they're fighting an enemy train station, which I still can't get over. Yeah. Um, and, like, Corvus is wounded uh, in the fight. And then Corvus Glaive in Proxima Midnight gets zapped up to the ship. And, and I think the film made a wise choice of never actually naming any of them at any point, apart from oh, no, they don't, do they? apart from the Ebony Moor at one point when when Strange and Thanos meet on Titan. Yeah. Strange uh, Thanos goes, "I take it the Moor is dead." Yeah, and that's it. But that's because in the film, their names are not important. No, their names would just make casual filmgoers go, "Wait, what? What? But what about Snoke's <laughs> backstory?" Um. <laughs> That's for another time. Uh, so, so, so was in this. You don't see him like throwing things around with his hands. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> he just he just flattened his nose out. You know, Snoke. put some play on his face. That's Snoke's backstory. Um, Squidward. Uh, so, <laughs> but like, but like, um, you know, so when Corvus Glaive in Proxima Midnight gets zapped into the ship in Edinburgh, Cap's holding the glaive, and after like a split second, it sort of go, it, like shakes out his hand and <laughs> shoots straight up with him. Yeah, that's a nice nod because in the comics. He's tethered to his glaive. He's tethered to his glaive and specifically acts like basically a horcrux. Yeah. Like part of him is in the glaive. The two need to be as one uh, to survive. So even if he died, those who knew about it could bring him back to life using the glaive. Um, Yeah. However, being stabbed through the heart with your own soul weapon connection horcrux thing... Yeah, that's going to kill you. It's going to put you down. As it does at the end of the movie when Vision stabs him from behind using his own glaive. Yeah. Um, but it was just a nice little nod because it was like, oh, because that'll make him, that'll heal him. I'm going to take that with him and he can get healed. Ah! 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 off in a mouth. pants. By Proxima Midnight. Yes. Who was, again, she's not given a lot of character. No. But she's basically shown to be a force to fucking reckon with. Oh, yeah. Don't um, fuck with Proxima Midnight. Proxima Midnight gives us one of the film's coolest random team-ups. In the form yes. of Black Widow and Okoye. Beating the shit out of her. Only to... Oh my god, only to have the fight cut off beautifully by Scarlet Witch coming in and mashing... Oh Prox- yeah. Mashing Proxima Midnight into the engine of one of their own vehicles. Yeah. Um, it's the, the the action in this is just insane. And then Okoye wants her like... What is it? What she said? She says like... Why, why did she stay up there? Or why did she have to stay up there till now? <laughs> this is yeah. a good point. If Scarlet Witch had been on the battlefield, they'd probably yep. have taken out more of the more yep. of the Outriders sooner. Oh man, Scarlet Witch really gets <laughs> to cut loose in this. She's clearly been working. She's clearly been practicing. Considering how she held back the last time. Oh yeah. She was worried about it. Like who she, who she was going to hurt in this. She just oh. gets to let loose. Oh, you can hurt these things. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, they're going to eat you or rip you to pieces. Why um, does she? And last but definitely not least, the Ebony Moor. Oh, yeah. Uh, they decided to give oh, one of the children yeah. of Thanos a significant role, significant speaking part, and fuck, they did not mess it up. Um, <clears throat> what I remember of Ebony Moor from Infinity is that he was, he, he's, I think in the comics it, it's sort of alluded to that possibly he's, you know, one with like the magics of everything. He's psychic. Yeah, in yeah. this, oh Christ, in this, in this, he basically is just like, ha, Magneto. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, watch yeah, watch me lift most of the street. He's telekinetic, isn't he? And throw it in a gesture that looks like I'm batting a fly away. Yeah, there's no effort. Just... Phenomenal, but just like that calm, annoyed, whiny little voice. Yeah. Um, like everything's quite slow, and then he gets a bit frustrated. And it's just those little inflections. I can't remember the actor who did the mocap voice for him, but it's just like, 
when he when he tries to grab the uh, the 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 eye of Agamato off Strange. Yeah. When he's in the brick wall and it burns his hand, he just pulls back and he goes, <laughs> and it's just little noises. You're like, we well, don't normally hear baddies make those kind yeah. of sounds. It's like it's, it's like it's snivelly. He's putting on a performance. Like mm. he's doing it to please Thanos. Yeah, because he's the orator, isn't he? Because he's, yeah. he's 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 uh, the very opening. He's orating to all the dead Asgardians. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, the scene of the Gamora flashback as well. Just when yeah. he's, you can hear him. He's faint in the mix, but he's doing the exact same thing in the background. Uh, you've got purpose. The, you're being murdered by Thanos to the yeah. population who five seconds later are shot dead by the Chitauri, and it's just like they literally oh, split them down the middle. It's like you got. A bunch of them on this side of the street, a bunch of them on the other side of the street, and the guys on the left-hand side of the street just get mown down. Yeah. Because, let's face it, it's got to be fair. Yeah. It has to be random. It's random. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Horrible. But Ebony Moore's great, and the fact that he gets uh, a queen, an alien queen mother uh. Uh, death is pretty cool. You know, um, see that really old movie, Aliens? It's not that old, Peter. But it's to Peter. It's like it's not it's that old. Like, it's, it's it's like it's like over twice his age. Oh, jeez. He's only a little kid. Well, it came out before I was born, and I'm thirty, and he's fifteen. Yeah, over half his age. <clears throat> That's old to a teenager. Let's. I don't know. It's difficult to think about what to talk about. So should we dive into emails and see what comes up? Yeah, and just expand and expunge. Yeah. Let's um, do it. Let's merge this beer. Then I'll leave any like less Infinity War related emails to later. Um, okay. Nothing will ever be okay again. That's the point. No, no, no. Uh, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Oh, oh my God. All those deaths at the end. So who did we lose at the end? We lost. Uh, in order. Um, Bucky. Yeah. Uh, uh, b- 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 in order-ish. Uh, <laughs> Bucky, Sam. Yeah. Groot. Yeah. Black Panther. That was freaking heartbreaking because it's just the fact oh, that it, yeah. it held on Okoye's face. Oh my just god. Him go. yeah, General, get up. This is no... Was it, was it? Uh, this is no way for us to win a war. Yeah. No. No one is going to die today. Arm starts to disappear. Yeah. He's gone. Oh my god. That and was like, terrifying. And even the, the ash... Doesn't stay there. That disintegrates as well. Yeah. Oh. And and so there's literally nothing left. Do you think we're going to get an Akai Black Panther? Um. Who is it? Becomes the Black Panther in the book. Shuri, Shuri. does, but oh, Shuri's a bit too young. Plus, I think I think Shuri has a different role to play in terms of the second film. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If she's still around, we don't even know if she's still around. Oh, she will be. You you, you tell me they're going to bench Letitia Wright for the next movie. Well. They can't bench Chadwick Boseman and Letitia Wright. Then again, yeah. then again, we still get Denai uh, Guerrero and Winston Duke, who was fine. That's true. Um, yeah. Baku was fine Baku at the end. Around. And Baku and his whole two lines of dialogue were fine. But, um, but, but it was in Baku. Can you Baku. believe we're at that point where it, we had an Avengers movie with everyone teaming up and one of the characters that the audience was most excited to see was the fucking, the what the, the freaking, the man-ape of Wakanda. Yeah. Like... What? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not calling him that, because a little bit weird. But, like, that's the character yeah. that people were excited to see in the screening. Yeah. In in the first screening I saw it, people audibly went, Hey! When he rocked up. We're at that point. I love it. I love it so we're much. At, Matt, we're at, Matt, oh my god, 10, 15 years ago. Oh my god, aren't we so lucky to have a Spider-Man movie? Now, 
fucking the Winter Soldier, Mbaku, <laughs> going under the name the White Wolf, picks up Rocket Raccoon. And spins him around, spins him around Rocket, to shoot Outriders. Rocket wants his arm. Oh, he's gonna get that arm. He's got a theme for prosthetic limbs, hasn't I love he, Rocket? That. He's just I love loves. that. I I hope. I know it's weird. I hope they never allude to it directly, but you know it's in James Gunn's sensibilities. I hope that basically just turns out to be like Rocket's fetish. Oh, it definitely is. Because it's like taking like not even not even keeping them. Just the thrill of knowing that someone who's meant to have it doesn't have it anymore. I don't need it. I just wanted to take the away. What was his face like when you asked him? Is he all hoppling around? But like, I mean, like, the, the freaking eye that he gives to yeah. Thor. It's like he's nicked that from someone. Yeah. It's specifically eyes and limbs, isn't it? It's not the eye he gets in Guardians 2. No, no, no. It's but a it's... different eye. <laughs> he mentioned, because he takes it I've got this in my Sunday movies video. He, the planet he mentions he got it from is the planet with all the sex robots on from Guardians Two. Yeah. So he, he, he nicked it from a sleeping uh, sex robot. Probably. So um oh god, where were we getting out with that? Oh yeah, so, so um <coughs> yeah, so Groot, uh, Sam, oh, Groot. Uh, Bucky, uh, la, 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 Rocket's the only uh, Guardian uh, left. Hang on, uh, unless you count Nebula, but yeah. Uh, yeah. T'Challa and Scarlet Witch are the ones who disappear from the battlefield. Yeah. And Vision's already dead. Vision's dead. Heimdall, Loki, and Gamora are already dead. Yeah, oh fuck, man. Although I think one of those is going to be reversed. Because it's tied into something directly involved with the Gauntlet. I would be shocked if any if of the Guardians it. stay dead. Yeah. But, on Titan, Doctor Strange... Spider-Man, Star-Lord, Mantis, and Drax. All the spear. Just leaving Tony alone with Nebula. See, I, I forgot Nebula was there briefly because she obviously shows up at the very end yeah, of the fight. Yeah. And I kind of thought that it was going to be just Tony on his own. And I was like, oh my god, that is the bleakest fucking ending. Yeah. But I suppose it, it makes sense. And also you kind of need the story to progress by having someone who can get them out of there. Do you know what I mean? So, and obviously Nebula is now our only immediate connection to Thanos out of all of the characters. And she's got a bone to pick. So, that's fine. Yeah. Um, those are the ones we see vanish, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Oh, God, man. Just, <coughs> oh, sp- sp- Peter. It's just, it was just heart-wrenching. The panic! The panic in him! You know, I, I wanted him to, I wanted him to fade then and there. I think they added that moment of him lying down and saying, yeah. I'm sorry, calmly. Was was like that last minute panic of oh my god this will be the thing that makes kids scream yeah so maybe let's soften it yeah. slightly but I would have loved oh. the balls on him if it was him falling to Stark's arm saying I don't want to go I don't and then he's gone uh. that would have that would have wrenched my soul through my groin that would have been horrible. Um, but even so, it's still it's just it's, it's a Mister Stark. I don't feel so good because you, you suddenly realise, oh, not Spider Man as well. Yeah, he's just a kid. Everyone oh, oh, and Maria Hill and Nick Fury. Oh yeah, uh, but not before Nick Fury puts out the call to on on, on a fucking really souped up nineties pager <laughs> yeah. as well, which is really cool. So which begs the question: Where is she? Why is she? What is shit? Um, I'm going to ask this once. Where is Gamora? I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better. Who is Gamora? Gamora? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? (laughs) Drax, again, has all the best lines in the movie. Do it, Quill. I can take it. You really can't. (laughs) Just a full fucking phaser into the face. (laughs) 
Oh gosh, when Peter's panicking, all these mantis starts to approach him, and he just freaks out. He's like, "Please don't put your eggs in me!" It's just like webbing her, trying to get away. I was, oh my god! Right now, I now have I mastered the art of staying so still. I become invisible in the naked eye. Every you're, you're, you're reading was it Grawlmans or whatever? It's like my movements are imperceptibly slow. slow. Nope. <laughs> it's just when Mantis comes around the corner, goes, "Hi, Drax." He just looks for a second and he goes, Dub. <laughs> I believe so uh, he's uncredited, but James Gunn uh, wrote or yeah. advised on all the Guardian on dialogue. On all yeah. of the Guardian's dialogue. Because the they feel like the Guardians. <clears throat> yeah. They don't feel... Um, they've done a really good job of keeping all the characters' growth up to this point intact. Well, um, we were saying downstairs when we yeah, Chris Hemsworth was worried that... Even yeah. Thor, like... Um, there is enough of the humour in Thor's stuff at the beginning that slowly kind of saps away for very understandable reasons that makes you still at least feel that if you watched Ragnarok and then like a few days later watched um, Infinity War, it was definitely the same character. Yeah. You're still watching the same yeah, character. Yeah. <clears throat> um, feel a bit about the beginning as well before we forget. Tess Thompson recorded a scene. They've still not confirmed what it was, but based on what Thor says like half of the Asgardians yeah, are dead yeah. I think it's safe to assume that Valkyrie's scene was probably Valkyrie Korg and Meek and, Meek and a bunch of Asgardians getting off the ship yeah, and it was yeah. it's likely she probably was like no I want to stay here and they're like no they fucking need someone to look after yeah, them go, get on that go. ship go um, so it's a shame she's not in it but at the same time I think it's, it's pretty obvious to figure out what her role would have been um, the Asgardian distress signal at the beginning, which again plays into it later, because that's what the yeah. Guardians are trying to find the uh, source of. Yeah. Um, I- I'd heard about it after I saw it, and then one of my second watch, I went in with my ears ready for it. It definitely fucking was. Uncredited cameo by Kenneth Branagh. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Which is nice. It's like the guy who brought us the first movie gets to uh, send out the distress signal Kenneth... for essentially the death of Asgard. Good old Chuckles Branagh. Um... <laughs> Good old Gilderoy yeah. Asgardian. Um, it's, yeah, it's just woof, woof. Let's <laughs> let's get into emails and, and more things will come up. <laughs> just from this firm one, I can always see many things coming up. This is uh, Dan Rawlings. He says, Infin- "Dan Rawlings, Dan Rawlings, Infinity it's Weir. It's to stay up late. Dan Rawlings, Dan Rawlings is here. Infinity Weir is pro canny lake. Has he written that? Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah, in- oh Infinity my god, Weir. he has." Infinity Weir. Um, I just thought it was you being no, whimsical, no. but it turns out the two of you have merged into one Geordie being. Oh, by Mephisto's knees, where do I start? Well, his knees is probably a good place, quite low down. Um, I absolutely <laughs> adore this film. <laughs> I gave up, however, I gave, I gave up my future marriage and future child. However, I struggled. No, it didn't happen. I struggled <laughs> to rate it. If I could, I'd give it 10 out of 10, but I feel like this was an event. Not a film. And geez Louise, it was emotional. I've never had chills so much throughout a film in my life. It's like, it's like an event. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not like... It's just such... It's a part of something so much bigger than a film. The last thing I could compare it to is Avengers. Yeah. 2012 film. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think there was a bit... There was a feeling of a bit of it in Thor Ragnarok. What? What there, about, was a, there was a bit of that in there. What about Justice League? In terms of events. Um, it's a shame we didn't get to see Thanos take the power stone from Xandar, which was the rumoured opening scene, but I was blown away by how well different characters worked together so well, and, re- and the return of the Red Skull made my jaw drop. 
Yeah. Um, I thought yeah, the Soul that's Stone, we need to talk about. I thought the Soulstone <laughs> would be in the largest socket in the gauntlet because it had been the most mysterious and seemed to be the most interesting. But whatever, Trebs, it's fine. <laughs> um, highlights for me are Tony calling Ebony Moore Squidward, Vision getting stabbed out of nowhere, Cap showing up at the station in that fucking amazing music, Thanos getting stabbed, Heimdall getting stabbed, Tony getting stabbed, and loads more, actually. I could do this all day! Um, not sure about the post-credit scene. It's got me interested in Captain Marvel, but Nick Fury saying "motherfucker" kind of spoiled the atmosphere created by the ending. I really, really like this film, but why is Gamora? Ha! <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Red Skull. Let's. It's let's. not Hugo Weaving. It's not, and I, I kind of figured that out about five lines of dialogue in. It's like, very good. This is Hugo Weaving. Da- I can't remember his it's name, but Ross... he's. A- He's a, he's a Walking Dead actor, isn't he? Ross something. Um, I'll look him up. He's, 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 a, he's, he's a Walking Dead alumni. Carry he's, on talking. Um, and a fine impersonator. Yeah, as he's well. a, he's a well-renowned mimic. <clears throat> his accent, um, his voice is sort of it's like eighty percent there. Yeah, and it's I think so close. But I think that the... worked because unless you just watched the the first Avenger, yeah, like before it. You'd go, oh, that's that's Red Skull. Like you, you know, it doesn't it doesn't shake you too much. But I've, I've got a bit of an ear for voices, so I was like, is it? Also, and he's fi- there about five lines, and I was like, no, that's not him. But, but he's been on that planet for like eighty years. Yeah, well. now that was interesting because it also calls back to a prediction we made ages ago. We said yeah. something we'd like to see is any of the Infinity Stone vanquished foes getting brought back in some way or form to basically fight alongside Thanos. Yeah. As we saw from this movie, he don't need that. But this confirms that there is a bit of a connection thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's like Ronan was, you know, wiped out by the Power Stone, and <clears throat> Malekith was wiped out by the Ether, the uh, the the Reality Stone. Yep. Um, in this instance, the Space Stone, you know, the Tesseract, zapped the Red Skull off into the wherever, and it turns out that he landed at least somewhere within reach of this planet. Because the Red Skull arrived in space, acclimatised, and then began searching for the other stones. Yeah. Because of course he would. He's the yeah. Red Skull. But has obviously got to the point where he, he... The Soul Stone must have been the first one he became aware of. And then once getting there has realised the cost. And it seems like as well, the stones have, whether they know it or not, something that uh, the children of Thanos refer to as the Stone Keepers. There's always yeah. someone who is considered the guardian of the stone, whether they, whether they sort of know it or not. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like Vision would be considered the, the stone keeper of the Mind Stone. He's played by Ross Marquand. Yeah. <clears throat> Lovely man. Who is Aaron Terrible in The one. Walking Dead? There you go, folks. Uh, along with uh, various other voice roles and bit and small parts here and there. But yeah. And also, that's who, that's <laughs> one of the things you go weaving hated about playing the part. I mean. Hugo Weaving basically said on record he was not going to do another Captain America, nor was he ever going to do, quote-unquote, that type of film. Uh, he shortly Well, a successful that, film. Well, no, shortly around that time, he ditched uh, his Transformers contract. I believe he bought himself out of it. Yeah. Uh, so he was no longer Megatron. That's why they killed off Megatron and turned, brought, resurrected him, turned him into Galvatron. And then just made him Megatron And then made him again. Megatron again, but now he's just voiced by Frank Welker <laughs> because he always should have been. But Frank Welker doesn't sound like proper... Oh, no, <clears> never mind, never mind, um, next! Oh, God, we'll get <laughs> to the Transformers later. Don't! Um, so, it's... I, yeah, but, but all the same, uh, one of the complaints he had about that movie that I remember reading around the time was he hated the makeup process. Like, yeah, he, yeah. He finds it so restricting. Um... 
<coughs> it's just like, I don't know. You looked great and you acted really well in it. So you're obviously a good actor, but he's like, no, I'd rather not. The same thing that put Alan Cumming off uh, coming back to do yeah. a, third, a, a second stab X-Men to yeah. do the third X-Men movie. But um, yeah, well, this Ross fella, he won out because it was fucking performance yeah, capture. It was all CGI, so so. It, was just, it just would have been uh, him with a bit of makeup around his eyes, probably. Like maybe the prosthetic brow and then just a bunch that, of dots. Like, just, just the just dots. Like, perfect. Just fucking perfect. Yeah. Um, it looked great so the as red, well. So the Red Skull is now sort of a, a lonesome, possibly, like it seems like he's got a power or, or he's some, something. Yeah, he's, he's powered somehow. He's obviously old as balls. Like the this is now this sort of proves the comic book thing of like the super soldier serum does slow your aging well, down. Either, to degree. either that or it's the soul stone doing some magic on him. Yeah, and he's basically now the keeper. And I also I like that as a nod, as a nod because it was basically just a oh we need a creepy keeper looking after the soul stone to explain how you get it. The, the creep the creeper the keeper as what well, a skeletal person in a cloak to be a keeper of some kind of crypt. The the crypt the crypt keeper, but that was a great idea because it's like, whatever happened to Red Skull? Now we know. There you yeah. go. He ended up in space, continued his quest to look for the the stones, and learned of the heavy burden and the price of the Soul Stone, and instead became its guardian. Also, for anyone who has seen Snatch, Benicio del, del Toro being pinned down and asked, "Where is the stone?" is kind of fun. Cool. <laughs> um, Where is the stone? But last thing before I forget. Um, also, I think this was this movie's way of giving the hardcore Thanos fanboys out there mm. a little nod to his comic book story because this gave us a visual representation, even just as a little treat, a little nod of death. It was a black flowing yeah. cloak. With a skulled face, yes. skeletal face underneath the hood. But no beautiful lady. Yeah, not Lady Death, but all the same, it looks like they're not doing that outright. Although that little bit at the end suggests that maybe they're going to touch on at least the idea of, of there is something bigger than him mm. that is like looking in on him. When when the uh, the little Gamora like, appears before him at the end briefly and asks, is it done? Yeah, which Which has prompted people to suggest that Gamora is in the Soul Stone now. Yeah, well, her body's fucking dead, but yeah, yeah. because <laughs> yeah, because it was a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice Gamora to obtain the Soul Stone. And we don't know what the Soul Stone does in terms of the yeah. film, in terms of the film's um, it's, like canon. It's nebulous. It just appears um, to be like, oh, you need that to, make to harness others. all yeah, of them. Yeah. You just need it because it's the last one. I imagine we'll get some Soulstone goodness in the next movie. Goodness. Um, it's a short sorry, one from Ian says. Very short one. Chris, what did Guy think of Avengers Infinity War? Was he sad when Stephen Peel died? By the time you're reading this... Terrible. No. Terrible, Ian! I should have seen Ghost Stories, uh, though considering I went the midnight to late Sunday showing an Infinity War, I doubt anything in that movie could scare me. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it's. Uh, I imagine Infinity War. I went to see it in IMAX. And it was <laughs> rammed. Absolutely rammed. Um, Did you have to pay extra for that? Oh, yes. For the ramming? Yeah. yeah. Did they at least, like, for the, yeah, pay did they at least, like moisten it up first? Because I'm on Limitless, but I had to pay for the seats mm. and pay for the glasses and pay for the ramming. And the surgery afterwards. Um, oh, Lewis. <laughs> Lewis says... Um, <laughs> Hello, Chris Ga- and Matt. Guy liked it, as far as I know. <laughs> um, 
Well, Infinity War was a bit marvellous, wasn't it? I've seen it twice now, and it definitely lived up to my immense expectations. The Russo brothers managed to deliver a sometimes bleak, but immensely fun superhero blockbuster. It was. It was sort of a contradiction in terms, but it worked really well. And I was in awe at the sheer scope of it. I've not heard anything from reviewers about how beautiful this movie looks, but I counted at least five shots that looked like posters I could hang on my wall. I even teared up a few times. I don't want to go, anyone? Oh, don't. Don't. Uh, something worth noting is that every time I've seen an MCU flick at the cinema, people have left when the credits started up. In my first viewing of this, no one left. It was a lovely feeling. People fucking left in my screening. Yeah. Like, you... The IMAX. Like, you, you I, I paid that money to witness it in IMAX. I just don't get it. you here because you like these movies. Why would you know? Yet? You know there's going to be a post credit scene. That's what they do. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, though I must say, apart from that, it was one of the worst cinema experiences I've ever had to endure. I know this feeling. Not only did I have a running fucking commentary from people around me, oh, God. but not, not only did I have to listen to the rustling of food packets every two seconds, but there was a three-year-old screaming and shouting. At one point, he just shouted out, Thanos is gay. I was fuming. That is a that's, weirdly. That's like, that that's, is a weirdly cognitive and homophobic three year old. Yeah, I was like that three year old. <laughs> that, that, I would be concerned that, that three year old is being taught some really homophobic bullshit. Homophobic, homophobic, <gasps> homophobic bullshit. Radiophonic. Homophonic. Um, that three year old from the radiophonic oh, workshop is uh, is oh wow. That is some venomous uh, homophobia from a three year old. No good. No good at all. Um, so that I saw it a second time with no interruptions. In that respect, do you have any stories of awful cinema experiences? That's all from me. Tatty, bye! Um, I've very rarely had a cinema experience so bad as to ruin a movie. I, I've had annoying things happen. Like when we saw It, um, yeah. we had the fucking uh, the Lads Club doing the commentary behind us, which was annoying. But, you know, I just kind of tuned it out. Well, I get that it's annoying, though. Wasn't that the same um, screening where some people down on, like, the third row at one point were, like, chatting away really loud to a couple of girls, and someone further up got up and went, Hey! Shut up! And then sat think, back down. I don't think that was that one. I think, I'm sure it was it. Ah! I went to see it again the next oh, week with yeah, Lou and Sarah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Because I, I remember thinking, oh my god, is this movie cursed? <laughs> Like, I remember people Snapchatting in the fr- in a front row of what of something we saw. Oh god! Um, but yeah, just little bits and pieces, like nothing terrible, but <coughs> annoying things. Actually, one of the weirdest things I had was, and this is not a cinema experience. When I went to see Metallica at the at the arena, fucking seventy odd quid a ticket, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And while I was sat on <clears throat> me, me and my old man, we had we had to get seating tickets. And we were sat on the end of like one of the upper tiers. Every two, three minutes, we had to get up and let someone in or out. Jesus. During Metallica's set. Like, what the fuck are you doing at spending 75-odd quid or more to see fucking Metallica and then walking out every two fucking minutes? What's wrong with you? It's like when you go... How often do you get to see Metallica fucking play over here and then you're just going to spend your time going in and out to the fucking bar to get an overpriced beer? Fuck off, sit down or stand up. I don't care which you do, but stay in there and watch the fucking show. Jesus. People who spend the entire gig filming it on their phone. Oh, fuck off. I hate that so much. I understand if you want to get your phone out at one point and take a pic. I don't understand. I'm going to put my hand up and say I don't understand. Or if you want to get your phone out and randomly record like a 20 second video during your favourite song or something just to be like, oh my god, I was there when they performed my favourite song and here is a little snippet of it and I can look at it and remember that night. Yeah. Fair enough. But 
when people just film the whole thing, you're like, why are you here? Fuck you. Why the fuck are you here? Put your phone away. Put it away. Um, This one comes in from John. Hello, my dear sweet sugar. Ah. The title of this one is Thanos collected all the Infinity Stones. You won't believe what happened next. You clickbaity cook. Have you you seen the fucking (laughs) headlines that CBR have been doing all week since fucking uh, Infinity War came out? Oh, like, every tweet from CBR is, like, a clickbaity article about, this happened in Infinity War, and here's the thing in Infinity War you missed, and why Infinity War is good, and why Infinity War is bad, and why this thing in Infinity War was stupid, and why they... Fuck off, CBR. Just write an article. Ugh! Um, hello, <laughs> my dear sweet sugars. It is I... Don't listen to him. He's one of the five who cooks. John McBeardface Gransden, <laughs> here to inject a new form of cosmic terror into your email <laughs> section. I saw a little film over the weekend. You might not have heard of it. Oh. It was called Avengers Infinity War. And as I left the cinema, it came to me that it might be a film you big damn lads, TM, would enjoy. It was rife. With outlandish action, interstellar intrigue, a colourful cast of heroic rouges, that's supposed to be rogues, and a couple of very (laughs) subtle comic book references. Also, death. Lots and lots of death. Like, half the population of the universe dead, by my count. So I recommend to you fellas, if you think that's your type of thing. (sighs) Of course, I'm just being a massive whack tease. And suspect that this week's episode has been almost entirely preoccupied with chatter over Marvel's latest cinematic outing. And rightly so! Personally, I've spent the last few years since Age of Ultron growing more and more restless with all things comic book movie. Be that MCU or whatever DC is trying this week. The last film I saw being Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which really didn't do it for me. So imagine my surprise when I realised about 15 minutes into this movie that I was really funkin' enjoying myself. That's funkin' with an N, not a C. Don't censor me. I'd only seen one trailer in the build to this film and my response was a nonplussed shrug and an added... I am a little interested in the backstory of Thanos and Little Gamora, at least. This film, however, succeeded in melting my cynical heart. Not only did it deliver on that interesting backstory between our big purple space baddie and his wee green adoptee, Infinity War reinvigorated my love for the characters in this universe and made me appreciate others better than their own standalone films had done. I'm looking at you, Doctor Strange! Good, clean family fun all the way. I find myself swept up in the narrative and totally invested in the sheer craziness of the intergalactic opera that unfolded before me. And of course, the ending. Yes, I'm sure we all thought, well, they'll obviously fix this next movie. But I was, am, sold nonetheless, with great performances selling the eerie and bleak deaths of all the characters we love. I tip my invisible hat to writers and directors for sticking the landing. I could ramble on and on about this film, but I'd like to end by highlighting what is possibly the most haunting yet captivating shot in the film for me. Thanos sitting and watching the sunrise and the smallest twitch of a smile before the cut 
to black. That is some tasty, tasty pathos right there. Mm-hmm. Now available in the frozen section at your nearest supermarket. I won't ask you any questions, and I'm sure you've answered them all in your dissection of the movie. Just know that it left me wanting to see it again, and I am now eagerly awaiting the next film. Thanks for all the big damn laughs, TM, and for keeping me sane while animating monkeys at work. Forever young! John. Can... Can this podcast from now on just be you reading out things written by John Grant? <laughs> I I would love that. Um, that that narrative I just voice ran and the writing flowed very well. I just ran with that one. That was quite that was quite good. Um, hot diggity. That hot ending diggity, shot is freaking diggity. beautiful because it is just like and like, it's, and like you say, it's done like, the movie. Bye, everyone. Like he, he it's his <coughs> it's his story, um, and he thinks he's the. We know he's not the hero of it, but. And he's not presented like that, but because he thinks he's the hero of it, mm-hmm. that's why it works so well. Um, it's very good. Uh, did you spot the suit of armor, Scarecrow? I didn't. I need to it's, see it's it again. To- I, it's on the other corner on the second, but it, it's a nod to that that oh, panel, this just like the my... panel of him sat in the like the farm in the middle of the crops. This just was like my theory. Having by the a way. drink and sitting there, right. and there's the Scarecrow uh, wearing his old costume. In this, when he first walks out of that um, yeah. shack. Bottom right, out of focus in the field next to him, uh, is his armor hung up on a scarecrow. Um, that's very smart. Yeah, um, I <laughs> when he takes his armor off at the start. <clears throat> yeah. Oh yes. And throughout. Does he get bigger every time he gets a stone? I don't know if he gets like significantly larger, but I maybe think that's one of the reasons he takes his armor off because it looks like he's getting bigger. When does he first remove it? Is it, is it, is he it... first removes it as soon, like, as soon as he gets the... Oh, no, it's, it's just before he puts on the Tesseract. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe it could so be. Like, you, there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely like a power surge moment. Um, but I, th- I thought it was more a visual choice just to be like, oh, he don't need this shit. Like, I mean, it's difficult to he got, he got the glove. Because he's massive anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's like, nine, he's like, like nine he's foot. getting bigger. Foot. Yeah. I don't know. Um, difficult to tell. But uh, that, was my, that was my little theory. Um, oh, <clears throat> oh, can we talk? Can we talk a theory before we move on to the next email? Uh, <clears throat> yes. So I posted this on Twitter the other day. For those who weren't sure what I was talking about, I'll explain it now. Where I put like, I think Redacted did this for Redacted. Yeah. Um. So Doctor Strange takes a moment to look to the any any possible future outcome of the conflict. Yeah. To see what resolutions they could take. Yeah. So he could at least be sort of aware of what steps to make, and he finds he was he finds like I think something like fourteen million six hundred yeah. five something like that it's uh, ridiculous possible number. outcomes, and yeah. only one of them results in a victory over Thanos. Like that is how screwed they are. Yeah, and that's mostly used at that moment to make you go, "Oh God, they've got one shot of this. They really need to do it right." Yeah, um, and it's just sort of brushed over and it moves on. Earlier on, Strange says to Stark when they realise they agree <coughs> that they need to go to Titan to take the fight to Thanos. Strange says to Stark, "Like if the choice comes between saving you or the kid or the stone, do not think I'll hesitate to do anything but the last. Like I, I will not hesitate yeah. to let you die, let you or the kid die." <clears throat> and it's a moment where you go, "Like all right, you dick." He's a dick, and like <laughs> him, like Strange and Tony, <laughs> yeah. do not get on, and it's. Great. It is brilliant, and you just know they'll get on in some way in the second one, in some part, in some possible way, and we'll probably get the uh, facial hair bros high five oh, moment. God. 
um, with one of them being just as reluctant as he was in the comics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, it, like, Strange makes it clear that like the Time Stone is more important than you. Yeah. But then Thanos guts Tony in a moment which comes the fuck out of nowhere in the middle of the fight, just tears the thing up and yeah. stabs him. Yeah. And then walks him slowly backwards and then sits him down. Because that was something else I noticed about Thanos. He doesn't take pleasure in killing people. He doesn't kill himself. them unless he has to. Yeah. yeah. And even then, he's not like, ha ha, I win. He's just like, oh, right, moving on. Like, I mean, he lets Quill live on yeah. two occasions. Like, he just Even know. after Quill straps a bomb through his back and then jumps into the portal while giving him the finger. Which is a great moment. Brilliant. But like, so... Like, he stabs Tony, <clears throat> lays him down, he even says, like, you know, after this, half of humanity will still be alive. I hope they remember you. He's even Which is sa- a great he's even, line. He's even, Such yeah, a good he's, line. He's even saying, like, there and then, he's like, I admire, like, how far you yeah, tried yeah. to go to, to end me. Even though it amused him a moment ago that it was, like, all of this for a drop of blood. Yeah. Um, and he, he, you know, he backs off and he goes away into one of his, t- his space stone portals and he disappears. And there, but, but the reason why he leaves him be is because Strange trades the Time Stone for Tony's life. Yeah. And you're like, fuck. And he says, why did you? Why did you do it? Why did you let him go? And he all Strange says is, it's the end game. Yeah, we're in the end game now. And then the last thing Strange says, I think, is he says like, I'm sorry, Tony, or something like that. And then he fades away. Um. After the movie, I realized. Like, it's not just a case of him last minute being like, oh, God, no, I can't let this guy die. Yeah, no, he's, he knows what he has to do. I believe that in the one timeline where they win, Tony is alive. And that was Strange's last attempt to make sure they were at least on course yeah. for the correct timeline. Yeah, yeah. It's not a guarantee that they've won, but it's like, if, if Tony dies now, we're definitely not in that. Yeah. We're not in that, that narrow margin. If I can keep him alive longer, if I can keep him alive through this, then there's a chance we're on the right track. It, it does seem to imply that they're on that he's left them on the right course. Mm. Whether they'll get there, or, well, I mean they're going to get there. Yeah. Like it's one of those. I know that like most, if not all, of these characters are coming back in some fashion. I know that the deaths are going to be reversed because they have not finished with these characters. It's the old Avengers that have been left because. The next film is going to be wrapping their stories up yeah. for the new crowd to take well, yeah, over. Yeah, because I was going to say, yeah, like, of all the characters that are left, six of them are the original lineup. Yeah. Uh, well, as far as we know, we don't know if Hawkeye is still around, but yeah, he's totally still around. Well, this, when this they the... did the 10 years of Marvel photo shoot for Entertainment yeah. Weekly last October, one of them was Jeremy Renner in a new costume with a new haircut, and it's like, oh, that's what he's going to look like well, in Infinity War. Yeah. And he wasn't in it. They were, so he's definitely in Because they, they were talking about him being Ronin. So now the theory's going around that it's, it's, all his family are going to be dead. So he's oh. going to become Ronin. I hope not. I'd rather his family be alive. But they'll be back. I want him to. Movie. I want him to have a happy ending. He will have. He will have a happy ending. Yeah. All right. But like, his, his, oh, his, they disappear. Yeah, his, ah, all his family disappeared. Gotcha. gotcha. In the the great disappearance. Um. <laughs> yeah. The great what the fucking. Yes. Um. So. <laughs> yeah. So I it's not. Good. It's not. For me, it's not. The the question of whether everyone will come back. And that's spoiling it for me. It's the question of how they'll all come back. Mm. It's why I'm not such a big, like, I'm not massively bothered about spoilers in general. Because it's not about where we end up. It's about how we get there. That's yeah. the interesting thing in storytelling for yeah. me. The, jo- so, the journey's the key. Yeah. So it's not... So, it, it, like, kind of knowing that everyone's going to be back and it's going to be a handover thing 
that's fine because I want to see how we get there. Like, because we predicted last week mm. this was going to end with the finger snap. Yeah. We just didn't realise that it would yeah. be the finger snap and then another five minutes showing us the oh, effects man. of the finger snap. But yeah. like, because that, because I, where, <laughs> where you're going to tell this story, where else are you going to go with it? You have yeah. to, it's, it's kind of the only place you can go. So, it, again, it wasn't, because if you got as far as like he gets five of the stones and the six yeah. ones destroyed, and then they turn the tables and defeat him, well, yeah, you're always going to come away from that movie going, "I had a really great time," but it's, oh, it's a shame we didn't get to see like yeah, and also, and also like, in. what's the next one going to be? Yeah, like where do you go from there? And so, also like, how does it work? The people who get brought back when everything in that respect is reversed, are they going to remember? To them, is it going to be like they're all brought back a minute before it happens? Yeah. Like who knows? Who's like, gonna remember? Yeah. Are the characters that survived it gonna remember what happens? They will always live with the pain of that horrible loss when it happened. Yeah. Will they be appreciative of the fact that things are back to normal, or will they have completely changed their outlook on everything and how mm-hmm. safe they feel? Like it's you know, there's definitely stories. That, like you say, it's all about like where the journey takes you and, and how so, the journey happens. And... That's so, what I'm interested in. Anyway. There's a bunch of possibilities. Um, all I know is someone better give Peter Dinklage some hands. Oh man. <laughs> I love the fact that they just made him enormous. Eno- like, he's Eatry the Dwarf, and they call them the Dwarves. He's The, the, the race yeah. is Dwarves. Yeah. In uh, Nidilavir? Or whatever uh, it's called. Nidal- Nidavalir. 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 The, the, the Great Forge of the Dwarves. The ha- the, where um, where uh, Mjolnir was made and where they go to get Stormbreaker. Made. Oh, the, there, was, Stormbreaker. there was a guy behind us in the screening yesterday who, like, you know, he was further along the row. Who, when he was talking about, like, he said to some of the Bifrost, and he turned to his mate, he went, oh, it's going to be Stormbreaker. Yeah, it's going to be Stormbreaker. And I, was, I just had that nice little feeling in my tummy, because I was like, this dude's about to get the nicest little surprise. Because yeah, <laughs> he's like, Stormbreaker! Stormbreaker. And again, like, they imply that this is, yeah. like, this is a, it's a mould, so it's something that has either been made before, or, or is, like, one they've always wanted to make. Yeah, well, I, I think that they kind of imply that Odin <clears throat> was yeah. planning to make it anyway. Yeah. But because of everything that happened didn't get around to it. All I'm saying um, is there is a metallic version of the same weapon in the queue for Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout and the t- uh, awesome. T- uh, awesome. the t- uh, yeah because this has groups arms Tivan as, as thingy the collection. yeah um, so there is a version yeah. out there somewhere else according yeah, to the, the little right, extra bits of right, canon right. in the theme park um, um, so that has been it said it was acquired in combat. Uh, from from I can't remember what race better Ray Bill is, but it, and, and on the placard it says that uh, those horsey looking motherfuckers. He's last seen looking for it, hence the like extra security. Oh yeah, okay. And it's like um, okay, uh, I'm which come... we know exists in the MCU because the face of one of them's on the side of the freaking Grandmaster's skyscraper. I'm going to come back to Tom Monty's <laughs> email because it's um not really related to Infinity War. And he hasn't seen it, so we'll do an, a non-spoilers email after we finish the Infinity War emails. Okay. Um, uh, Tom Monty, you're probably listening right now. Uh, good, you saw Infinity War. You'll get to hear your email in a bit. Yay! Um, <laughs> I'm making note of that. Um, digga, 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 digga. Jacob! Jacob! Hello, big damn cockers! Jacob! Um, before J- I get J- started, J- this email will contain spoilers for the masterpiece that was Infinity War. Late! Um, I have seen it <laughs> twice now! What an amazing 
amazing movie. It is by far the best experience I've ever had at a movie theatre, apart from maybe the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special. I genuinely don't have words to describe how much I enjoyed it. I was surprised it lived up to what I wanted it to be. It was more than I wanted it to be. The music was amazing. It was a really good score, actually. Mm. Music doesn't usually stick out to me, but Alan Silvestri's music was fantastic. That's the thing that's been missing from a lot of the Marvel movies, but I think Silvestri's score for this was spot on. Um, the acting from everyone was spot on, especially Tom Holland, Zoe Saldana, Josh Brolin, and Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Vodkadonk Cumberbund. <laughs> and it's Benedict Cumberbatch and Benedict Wong. Can we just put that out there? There's two Benedicts and their mates. Um, also, Benedict Wong, Salford lad. Yay. Yeah. Do you think one um, goes by Ben and the other goes by Addict? <laughs> Saves time on set, though, doesn't it? Ben and Benny. Ben and Benny. Um, ben and Jerry. Ben, ben and Jerry's start. Oh, was it? Um, oh, Ben and Jerry's start. ice cream flavour. <laughs> It's stark raven raisin. Someone the like one says like a chunk of honker Hulk is our favourite. Yeah. Also, and Banner just goes like, that's a thing. Also, when you see both of the... Yeah, because Banner's been away for like four years and doesn't know anything that's going on. Also, when you first see like Strange and Wong, they're going out for a sandwich and Wong has no money. No, he's got 200 rupees. I love that. Which is like a buck and a half. A buck and a half. <laughs> Or is it was like meditation and faith isn't going to get you a ham on rye? Yeah. Like, no, it <laughs> and he wants a tuna melt. That's oh, okay. okay, okay. He wants a tuna melt. Um, that's what he settles on. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's just you just get that little moment of levity to establish the characters and their relationship, and then boom, you're into the action. It's really, really smart stuff. Um, uh, Thanos is definitely the best Marvel villain. I like how they downplayed Loki's death. They really didn't make a big deal about it. I don't know. They kind of made a big deal about it, like. Oh yeah, but I don't yeah. mean it wasn't. It wasn't like a big moment of self-sacrifice oh, yeah, no. to but save like, the day. It was a last resort to hopefully yeah. save his life in that moment kind of deal. Yeah. Um, this movie was full of surprises, like the Red Skull showing up. That was unexpected. Yep, Gamora's death, flipping hell. I loved how Gamora didn't even know Thanos loved her. I liked the correlation between characters having to kill the characters they love, like Star Lord and Gamora, Thanos and Gamora, Vision and Scarlet Witch, and, Sodom and Gamora. Yes, yes, <laughs> and Loki and Thor in a way. Yeah, and I love Peter's reaction to finding out Gamora's dead. Genuinely gut-wrenching scene. Now to address the massive hole in my heart. Oh, need surgery. Uh, Spider-Man's death. Fuck me, I'm not ashamed to say I did cry. Tom Holland is such an amazing actor. The emotion he can portray with his face is amazing. Peter looks terrified, which obviously should be, but still that whole scene is amazing. How he stumbles into Tony's arms and hugs him, and Tony hugs him back, which is beautiful because of what happened in Homecoming with hugs. If you can't tell, I this I love this movie. I really don't want to. Uh, I want don't want to wait an entire year for the resolution. I don't know how there can be a resolution. There is no hope, but obviously <laughs> there has to be. Lots of love. Uh, lots of big damn love, Jacob. P.S. You should get Mr. Guy Lambert back on the podcast and a little P.S. because he forgot. Um, I forgot something. This movie was indeed an excellent addition to the Marvel Cinematic. Unitard. Hey, um, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what? Yeah. What more can we say? Um, I've nicely surmised, Jacob. I mean, it, that is the thing, isn't it? It's yeah, the, the the balls on them for doing it in a way, because again, this is probably the riskiest move they have taken. It's ballsy in years. But they can afford to be that ballsy because they 
<laughs> They've got you by the balls. You're 19 films in at this point. What are you going to do? Not watch the next one. True. Like, True. They, they know people are going to come back for it because they keep crafting stories that people want to see. So they can't afford to take a risk like that. Um, so it's not really a risk in that sense. And here's the thing with all this. It's, people say it's a new kind of entertainment. And it's like, I don't think it is. I think it's a repurposed kind of entertainment. Yeah. Because this has been going on in the pages for decades. Yeah. Like the same kind of storytelling technique, the idea of we follow individual tales and stuff happening in one subtly affects or might be subtly referenced uh, in the other. In a way. Every now and again, they all cross paths in some way and, and, and you can tell a story like that and then you can move back onto your individual stuff. In a way, I think this was a smarter way of doing it as well because they cut a lot of the shit out. Yeah, well, that was the thing the, as well. They, the, they, they, they made the wise choice once again of not directly adapting a story. Yeah, don't directly adapt it for using, Oh, no. It's okay. not very good. It's not very good. But they use elements from it and, yeah. and, and from the character's history. So, like, when it came to Thanos, they were like, right, let's take this from Gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. Let's take this from, uh, like, Interactions with the Guardians. Let's take a bit of this from, like, the Silver Surfer stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's take a big visual chunk of inspiration from Infinity. Um... And it used characters from that to expand his world. And it was just like, okay, like, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Um, but it's just, I mean, the balls on them for trying it. The, the nutsack of the chin on them for doing just, it. Just, yeah. Grimace. Uh, balls so. on you, motherfuckers. Yeah, I, I, was, I was impressed with it. Some direct um, visual calls as well, like like when he um, used the reality stone briefly to sort of knock Drax and yeah. Mantis out of commission Cubes for a second. Drax and ribbons Mantis, which he does to Eros and Nebula. And Nebula in the yeah. yeah. So just like neat. little things like that, where it's like, oh, that's like in the book, but also, no, that's, they're okay. That's like a thing that happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I haven't asked you yet, uh, and it might be a bit too soon. Too soon! But like, favourite scene, or scenes... Because the one that comes to my mind immediately, well, two actually, comes to my mind immediately are just two character beats in the midst of everything. One is <clears throat> um, Peter and Tony's interaction before they save Strange. Yeah. Well, Peter, Tony, and the freaking cloak yeah. interaction before they save yeah. Strange. Um, because you get that wonderful thing of, of Tony being, Tony's so, he's panicking quietly in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because like he at this point he seems to be a lot more level headed than he used to be and he's getting there at being an all round more considerate mature individual yeah definitely and then the child that is under his protection is suddenly on the spaceship hurtling towards the unknown yeah and he's shitting himself because he's like no like you could get hurt why are you here what the hell did you why why I'm gonna blow my chance with your unreasonably hot aunt yeah. Oh God. Because Pepper doesn't want children. Also, because also I love them having him and Pepper having the conversation about children. Because like, yeah, there's no way Gwyneth Paltrow can carry a child to term at this point. Like, she's in her late forties. Come on, it's risky at best. Um, at best. Nano. Nano. What? Sure. Um, also, also the scene called um, Morgan. Isn't that a reference to Summer? Uh, Morgan Stark. His uncle. No. I think at one point. But um, uh, yeah. So there's, so there's that. But that that moment was that, especially when Peter says like, like the suit is surprisingly intuitive. So it's, it's kind of like your fault. I'm here, and you just the look on his face of like, no, no, not my fault. And he goes, "What did you say?" 
and and Peter goes, yeah, no, that was that was wrong. I take I take that back. But it's like in that one moment, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like no, don't you add another freaking name to my like guilt yeah, list? Don't yeah. you dare do that. Um, so that little beat with them was really nice. And you see, the only reason Tony sort of goes like, fine, is because Peter's argument's brilliant, where he says like, how can I be friendly neighborhood if there isn't a neighborhood? Yeah, it's like. Oh, God damn it, you got a point, kid. Do you Garrett. think the next Spider Man movie is going to be called Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man? I hope so. That'd be so good. Right? Um, so good. Because that also means it would have been foreshadowed in the dialogue. Can I yeah. just stay being your friendly neighborhood Spider Man for a bit longer? Like, yeah. Ah. Um, yeah. But my other favourite bit was, again, just a quiet conversation, was just before they arrive at uh, uh, Medavalier, um Rocket talking to Thor to console That's a great scene, yeah. It's really good. Because, again, suddenly Thor slows down and you realise, oh, funny Thor is hurting a yeah. lot right now. Yeah. This is it's painful. almost a defence at that point. Yeah. Because so much has happened that you just can't process it. Yeah. Because if he does, he will he will break apart. And like he says, like he's he's been around and we get confirmation he's been around for one thousand five hundred years yeah. and he's he's toppled at least twice that many foes in his time. Yeah. And Thanos will just be the first in the next long line of, of felled enemies, uh, and he says, "And I won't." He says, "I won't." Because he says something like, "I won't be defeated, because I haven't up till now, and fate is clearly keeping me alive for something." Yeah. And what's it? Um, Rocket says, "Like, you know, but what if you die? Like, what if it doesn't this time?" And he suffers that moment. He says, well, "He says, like, well, I don't have that much more to lose at this point." Mm. And you suddenly like. He's sort of fine with dying, isn't he? Yeah. Like he's at not this su- point. he's not suicidal, but he's like if I if I lose then that is all that is also a victory in some way because like what else has he got to lose now? Yeah. yeah. And it's just like oh god that's heartbreaking especially cuz we've just watched him be really cool and chipper and adventurous for a movie. And now he's that feeling that defeated. It's, it's sweet horrible. rabbit. I don't think, but oh, sweet, sweet rabbit. God, the rabbit, rabbit and tree. His friends, rabbit and tree. <laughs> I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. Ugh. Fuck those little moments. Those yeah, little it's just a best moments. scene like Thor arriving at the battle in Wakanda and just wrecking shit. <clears throat> I know. I know. Alex Silvestri was working his socks off, but it wouldn't wow. have hurt to just have a bit of the immigrant song in that oh, moment. Oh man. <laughs> He was just like, Thor is here and he's going to wreck all your shit. I mean, Thor, Thor turned out to be the most powerful on, on display in terms oh, of the, absolutely. the good guy team. He's, a, he's, he's, he's the old farmer he, now. He quote-unquote killed Thanos. Yeah. Like, he nearly nearly defeats him at the end by freaking impaling him on Stormbreaker. He should have aimed for his head. Oh, God. Oh, the hand. Cut his arm off. Cut his arm off. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Okay, can't last... use the gauntlet if he doesn't have a hand to really put inside it. Last Infinity War. What's he going to do? Break all of his fingers and make them bend backwards and use it in his right hand? <laughs> He's got to make a fist. That was. I like how they gave logic to how the gauntlet yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. In as much as they could, it was like every every power was color coded. Yeah. Um. So you could clearly pick out like, oh right, that did that. You could do that because of that. And he got more abilities as the movie went on. But then they gave that nice logic spike of it only works when he, when close he closes his fist. Yes. That's like the trigger, um, so, which explain, which makes sense. Yeah, it's a weapon. It logic, yeah. It's a weapon, and it, it, weapons have you know maybe, holsters and 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 freaking triggers. And, maybe and he's only ever reloads. thought of them as a weapon and never thought of them as a tool for creating things. And that's why his he's still on that zealot's path. Yeah, 
Yeah. Anyway, um, last Infinity War email, even though it's only slightly Infinity War related, and then we'll <clears> a couple of non spoilery questions before we get out of here, because this is an epically long podcast. Um, As it should be. It's the culmination of 10 years' ten worth. Years. Uh, <laughs> this one comes in from James. Uh, dear Chris and Matt, well, nothing of note seems to have happened since last week's edition of the Big Damn Cast. Nothing at all. <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, what a film Infinity War was. Uh, my, as you put it, sinister tickets. What? And I had a marvellous time. I enjoyed it so much I went a second time within 24 hours. My favourite bit was when Loki used the Infinity Gauntlet that he had tricked Thanos into giving him to rebuild Asgard and then Thor let him be king. Wow, what a ride! Uh, because I enjoyed Infinity War so much, I thought, why not talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp? Ooh-wee, what a trailer that was! <laughs> I, I do not know the position of Ant-Man and the Wasp is in the timeline, but if I were in charge and made the decisions to tie Ant-Man and the Wasp into Infinity War, I would, at the very end of the film, possibly in an end credit scene, have Scott with his daughter and possibly Hope with both of her parents, if not both, just Hank, and I would, kind of Infinity War spoilers ahead, um, have Scott's daughter and possibly Hank Pym disintegrate into nothing without warning, if you were in charge of that film down the gritty side alley with fun graffiti known as Ant-Man and the Wasp, how would you tie it into the Infinity War, if at all? Have a fun dummy dozy I don't know how to spell that. Week. James. Um, we had mentioned this earlier. Like, Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think it takes place before yeah. uh, Infinity War. It definitely takes place after Civil War because um, Scotland's <clears throat> under house arrest. Yeah, Scott, Which they Scott mentioned and, in, and Clint took yeah, a deal. Yeah, they mentioned Infinity yeah. War. They took a deal so they could be with the families and they're under house arrest. Um... And they obviously, but then he obviously goes on the run with Hope and Hank, and some other stuff goes down. I would imagine that, yeah, the post-credit scene of Ant-Man and the Wasp will probably tie it into Infinity War, yeah, with the disappearance of whichever characters. Um, yeah. I think I think at this stage, just because of just because the post-credit scene of Infinity War being a bit, like the the payoff of it at the end being a bit vague for for people who don't know the books, yeah. What might be a good call is for the mid credits of Ant Man to be uh, it tying into Infinity War, so we see the the fallout of the disappearance amongst the characters of Ant Man and the Wasp, like you said, and that's a smart move. Yeah, Scott's daughter was it Cassie? Cassie. Like her disappearing would be a big fucking motivator well, for there's, him, there's and Hank in... disappearing would be a massive motivator for Hope. There's rumours that an old and especially version. Janet. Of Cassie has been cast for Infinity War Part okay. Two because in the comics Cassie Lang, as a teenager, becomes stature yeah. of the new of the young Avengers yeah. and is a size changing hero herself. Um, um, okay, well maybe not Cassie's disappearance there. Well, but then again though, you could skip time a little bit because Ant Man, Ant Man the Wasp could theoretically take place in 2016. Yeah. And Infinity War takes place at like the back end of twenty seventeen, start will... of twenty start of twenty eighteen. Oh, actually, actually, I think Infinity War is twenty seventeen because Black Panther is also set in twenty sixteen because that's set immediately after Civil War. Yeah, I guess. Um, but it's, de- it's in fact it's set a week, it's set, it's set um, a couple days after the end well, of Civil in, War. Infinity War might because, be because uh, the embassy was blown up a week prior to the events of the movie. Um, Infinity War might be a bit later then because Tony mm. mentions it's been six years since the attack. Oh, so 2018. Infinity War so set, set in 2018. 2018 yeah. Which also fixes the um, the homecoming time snap uh, by doesn't... just ignoring it. Yeah. <laughs> by um, going, so, actually, you know, no, doing our marathon, years. I finally cracked open the, the, the film on the Blu-ray yeah, and, yeah. and it still says eight years and I'm like, why? Like, this is where you could have changed uh, it. Even in interviews, Kevin Feige's been like, yeah, 
You put that up. Just, just ignore it. Ignore it. Is it, it messed up? Is it, we ignored it. Is it we? Ignore it. We messed is it. Is it we or is it them? Just yeah. We messed <laughs> it up. Ignore it. Um, but, uh, yeah. But yeah. So, I, and then what you do is to keep things positive at the end of the film. You do a phase one, phase two thing again. Your post credit scene is a straight up tease for Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, like her receiving the message. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, that'd be perfect. That'd be amazing. That would be perfect because um, we know that Captain Marvel is set in the nineties. Yeah. So Captain Marvel is presumably going to end with her being somewhere or somewhen, mm-hmm. and then like. It, it's going to be like the first Avenger was. It's going to be, um, like her origin story and becoming a hero, and then being separated from the rest of this universe somehow, and then the call coming from Nick Fury yeah. at the end of Infinity War, and her coming to sort all this shit out. So yeah, that's that's what that's what it's supposed to be. Um, I did rock fingers for those then who couldn't read the silence. Okay, we'll do Tom Monty's uh, non-Infinity War email. Um, so you might want to put a time code in for this so Tom can just skip his email. And then we'll do our Twitter question and then we'll call it a day. And we'll get a hit two hours. Don't call me a day. Okay, then you're a week. Okay. You're a week. <laughs> White. White Garfield. guilt. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you do you want to really depress me? Piece of shit. All the Kanye West shit, well, that all depressed me, but all the Kanye West shit started with him retweeting videos by Scott Adams ranting on about stuff. Turns out the guy who writes one of my favourite comic strips ever and my favourite, like, book about business yeah. ever um, is a, like, really hard-leaning right Republican who is, like, bordering... On the ranty kind of Infowars style. Awesome. Guy who created Dilbert as a massive twat. Awesome. I'm not saying he's a twat because of his politics. I'm saying twat because of his attitude and his aggressiveness in his politics. It's just like, why, man? And then Kanye starts spreading. That's why Dilbert was trending a week ago. People randomly. be dickbits. Big Dilbert? old dickbits. Oh, um, Dilbert's great, though. Tom <laughs> Monty. Not Tomathan Montias. Dear, the both of you. <laughs> I hope you both enjoyed. What was that? <laughs> I hope you both enjoyed the Infinity War. I'm interested in this one, but it, but the last Marvel movie I watched was Civil War. Should I watch the ones in between that and Infinity War before I watch Infinity War? I can enjoy it's the same without them. So many wars. I, um, I, I yeah. Is, I, does I anything would. of crucial relevance happen in between Civil War and Infinity? Yes. Definitely watch Guardians Volume 2 and Thor Ragnarok, as we said earlier, just to bring you up to speed on where those characters are. Everyone else is where they were at the end of Civil War. Yeah, don't also stra- watch Black Panther. Bonus. Watch Black Panther because it's fucking great. Yeah. Um, do, you know what, do you know what, Tom? Just give yourself a marathon. I think, I think Tom, if you went into Infinity War having only seen Civil War in terms of the recent movies, you'd still get it, but you reward yourself more if you, you, you watch Strange, yeah. Guardians 2, Thor, Ragnarok, and Black Panther. Yeah. And Spidey, if you just fancy getting a bit more of that character. Just marathon it, Tom. All caps. Bolded. Reluctance. Oh? Do you think the Weeping Angels will ever return? If so, how would you like to see them come back? You never see them. They creep up on you. I'm sorry. They can't return. I'm sorry. Is this a all caps? 
All caps. Bold. Bold. Matt and Chris, two lifelong Doctor Who fans, reluctantly answer a Doctor Who question. Yeah. Uh, several Doctor Who questions. Oh, brilliant. No, Bring well, them three, on. Three, three Doctor Who questions. Um, I don't um, want them to ever come back. No. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Just like um, that fucking song. Which <laughs> villain slash monster from New Who that's only appeared once would you most want to return and how would you like to see them return? I'd be very happy to see the piranhas in the air come back. Vashtanarada. Um, nothing Moffat did. I mean, I think the fashion around it could work as part of a story, yeah. but not um, as the be-all, end-all. Because yeah. their ultimate setting was kind of like finally, f- f- you know, pretty much given in that story, which was they're 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 essentially a, a piranhas of the air. They're, they're they're creatures that live in shadow and, and are carnivores, and they live mostly in trees. And the reason why that library is full of them is because that library is full of books that were freaking made from the trees that they were born into. Yeah, that's just like you've kind of given them their ultimate setting. If they're part of a story. Someone else's tra- story, yeah. then you kind of make it work. It's not the same somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could do one in the forest, I guess. But the, the Dream Lord, you like the Ooh. the Dream Lord, because they, we never, we never explored what any of that meant yes. from Amy's choice. We we got we by the end of it, we got that it was the Doctor's self. Like, we, we we knew it was like this psychic spore or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, that got into the TARDIS and made them hallucinate and whatnot, but it obviously latched onto him as the most potent thing, mm. and it built on a its apparent self hatred. Yeah. So there is something in here. There is a dark incarnation in him that's nowhere near the surface, but that story allowed it out in some way. So whether the character—I think to make it work thematically, I think you'd have to cast Toby Jones again in the role. Yeah, I was going to ask Toby Jones or Noby Jones. Oh, Noby Jones. Well, definitely Toby Jones. Like, in that case. <laughs> but. You don't. Yeah, you can make it more of a case of something else reawakens that thing, and we can learn yeah. a bit more about what. You know, obviously, like with the upcoming series, like we can learn a bit more about what it is she loads about herself. Like, yeah, why yeah. does she feel that way about herself? Um, as she moves past it, and whatever this thing is, is clawing its last chance to try and kind of work out. Because ultimately, what what was the Dream Lord's goal in Amy's Choice? It was to kill them all. It wanted the he wanted the doctor to kill himself and his friends as well, and yeah. then it and then it would die too. But that's all it wanted. So the doctor's like got something in him that that that's that full of self hatred that he's like maybe me and my friends would be better off if we were dead. Yeah, it's like what does that mean? Let's explore weird. that. Not for a whole arc, not for a whole season, just no. one story. Not for a whole season, <laughs> Christopher. Whole season or no season at all. <laughs> Big bad of the next season. Um. Aside from really, that, I don't really want any. Like, I can't think of any. I can't think of any monsters or baddies that have turned up for one episode, with the possible exception of the Dream Lord, that wouldn't be diminished by them returning. In yeah. terms of like things that stick in my mind from New Who, like the Midnight Creature, but then oh, yeah. you can't bring that back because you would have to ruin the mystique of what made it so interesting in the first place. Oh, it was fascinating the way it was. It was more fascinating because we didn't know anything about it. Like, the creatures... To expand on that would kind of ruin it. The creatures or lack of creatures from Listen. Yeah. A really interesting concept that was completely fumbled by the episode. Yeah, oh gosh. And absolutely failed uh, to make any sense, particularly with the arc they took Danny Pink on. Yeah. So how did Danny Pink get to Orson Pink and... What's the relation? Or and is and we no know relation? that there isn't actually anything outside the door, so why could he hear it too? And you're just like, what? Weird. Weird. So yeah, I don't want um, any of them to come back. Um, although, 
have, although, now that I've said it, I sort of don't want them, but I kind of do. Whatever the frick the bad guys were in Husbands of River Song and Return of Doctor Mysterio. Because Return of Doctor Mysterio, those two episodes are direct sequels. They se- never picked up on that, yeah, did they? Those two episodes are direct sequels Wait. to it. Like, Return of Doctor Mysterio is a direct sequel to Husbands of River Song in terms of, like, it's the same villains and it's something advancing their plot, even though the timeline is completely different, wibbly wobbly or whatever. But Return of Doctor Mysterio ends with, like, a, oh, don't you worry. We'll get round to this. Wait. And then, of course, they never do, in classic Moffat fashion. Did Yeah, I was going to say, did Stephen Moffat set something up and yeah. then not pay it off? Yep. Because he doesn't know how things work. Yeah. Doesn't know how set up and pay off works. I just realised something, actually. He does, though. He does know how set up and pay off works. He just doesn't do it. I just realised something. Um, does the season 10 box set contain Husbands of River Song and The Return of Dr. Mysterio? Because uh, if no, it does do I not know, I don't care. Well, I'm a completionist <laughs> I ended up getting season 9 because a friend uh, was lovely to give, lovely enough to give me a DVD promo copy that had been left at an event and so, oh yeah, and it was and, it, and, it, apparently, it, all, really? and it apparently wasn't the only one they said would you oh, like would you like wow. have you got series 9 I went no they went I've got like 5 of them there wow I was like fair enough so I've got series 9 on DVD I've still not cracked the fucker open like, to watch it wow but Eventually, when it is in a low price or in a deal, a I'll pick up series ten for the sake of completionism. Yeah. Um, but <coughs> whatever I do, wow. series ten obviously will never contain Twice Upon a Time because that came out after the series ten box set came out. Oh, and I would up. be very surprised, very surprised if the series eleven box set contained Twice Upon a Time. Yeah, which means like. Day of the Doctor and Time of the Doctor, you have oh. to buy it individually. And I'm just wondering if I have to buy. I just, I just don't. I just want to know if I've got to have to look at my shelf and look at the words "The Return of Doctor Mysterio" on their Probably. own on my shelf. Probably depressing, isn't it? Yeah, depressing. very depressing. I got around the Time of the Doctor and the Day of the Doctor thing a bit by getting the 50th anniversary box set, which has got. A bunch of special features, a Blu-ray version of An Adventure in Space and Time, Night of the Doctor, The Five-ish Doctors, a bunch of commentaries, proms, things like that. And it also has the 50th anniversary and uh, Time of the Doctor in it. Oh. So at least they're on my shelf. Look out, it's alright, Series 6, Series 7, the 50th anniversary box set, Series 8, Series 9. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, okay, that's kind of works. That's kind of neat, uh, but then it looks like I'm going to have to put two random Christmas specials and a series ten box set, and then another random Christmas special. Don't do it to yourself, Chris. Mental, isn't it? Don't do it to <coughs> yourself. Um, Mental. Have either of you been listening to the newly released Doctor Who series nine soundtrack? I've been listening to the Shepherd's Boy Break of the Wall for the majority of this week, and I have now come to the conclusion that that one song is my favourite thing to come out of the entirety of the Capaldi era. What's your one favourite thing, if anything, to come out of the entirety of the Capaldi era? <clears throat> I've not um, pursued the Series 9 soundtrack. I did I'm used, really I did bored used to, of Murray Gold music now. I did used to buy the soundtracks. I think the last one I bought was Series... I think I've got Series 7. Uh, do you know what? Hang on. I'm going to peek at it right now. Live! I the feel most exciting like, thing to hear in audio. A man reads some CD spines. I feel like they've been pushing Murray Gold too hard with too little. Yeah, okay. So here's, here's how confusing it got. Series uh, 5 is a soundtrack, Yeah. followed by A Christmas Carol as a separate soundtrack. Oh, because, Jesus. Be- because there was enough music for like a 17-disc thing 
including, of course, uh, the song A 17-disc thing. No, a 17-track thing, including the song uh, Silence, whatever it's called, the song that um, Catherine, oh, Catherine Jenkins sings Catherine in the episode. Catherine, what's her name? Uh, which is, as a track on its own, it's freaking gorgeous. Well, probably. I mean, yeah, you don't get Catherine Jenkins to sing for your episode and then not release it, do you? That's very true. Uh, then after that is uh, series five, uh, series six, sorry. Then they did a double soundtrack. So it was in that weird year with the gap where uh, we got uh, the Snowmen and the Doctor. Uh, oh no! What is that? Yeah, the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. Oh, and the Snowmen as a dual release. Because again, he wrote as much music for the Snowmen that they were like, right, we'll go back and we'll put last year's Christmas special in and we'll do it as a double album with the two Christmas special scores. Then, Series 7, then The Day of the Doctor slash The Time of the Doctor. Is oh, album. God. And at that point, I was like, I am not going to actively pursue these anymore. And that's fine, because that was at the same time that BBC Music closed I... down in certain ways and they, they finally released Series 8, I think it was last year. And then Series 9 came out, like, last week. If oh, I... Series 9, first BBC uh, product like to come out now properly in terms of the the past stuff mm-hmm. with the new logo on it. It looks really weird. Oh, God! It's yeah. brand consistency, motherfuckers! Well, no, that's the thing now. That's the thing. The What Doctor Who's done for years <coughs> is it's used the current show's logo on anything attached to the current show. Yeah. And everything else has had the uh, Pertwee slash 96 movie logo. Yeah. That logo is not going to be used anymore. It's just going to be one logo across everything. Which is fine in some respects. Like, if you're going to do, say, like a new series of books yeah. of various Doctors, various it's, timelines, it's... then that's cool. Because it's like, oh, look, this new wave of books all has the same logo. And it's it's like a new thing. But it also means that your soundtrack albums... Uh, your dramatizations, your full soundtrack um, recreations that are released through the BBC, uh, your audio books, Big Finish as well now, all have to use that logo. So Big Finish's sidebar has gone now. Like the the format it's used for like the last fifteen years of a sidebar with the Doctor's face and the cast in it, that's gone because you can't fit that logo on. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a full cover with that logo in the top and a cast list at the bottom. <laughs> I've got to admit, things on the list of things I care about. <laughs> that is not at the top of it. Doctor Who television soundtracks is right near the fucking bottom. Like I, <laughs> so no, I haven't been listening to it. And um, what's my one favorite thing to come out of the entirety of the Capaldi era? Um, I'm glad that Peter Capaldi came out of it. Peter Capaldi is the best thing to pull out of the Capaldi era. <laughs> yeah. Pulled out, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to like. For those not noticing the subtlety of Matt's answer, he's not referring to Peter Capaldi's involvement in Doctor Who. He's, revol- he's referring to Peter Capaldi getting the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a shame, really, isn't it? Cause it's like his dream job, and they, you get the sense. It. You get the sense with his sort of quietness since it ended yeah. that perhaps it, he's... It didn't go the way he wanted it to go. Yeah. Although he has been in Australia, I think, this week. There's a big comic convention and yeah. photos have appeared of um, someone who's driving to the convention, like one of the people who do, like, you know, the vehicles and costume things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, dresses the third Doctor driving Bessie to the convention and there are photos of uh, Pearl Mackey and Pete Capaldi sat in the back of Bessie. Oh, yes. Like, looking like they're in a whale of a time. But it's like, okay, he's obviously at a point now where he's like, right, let's talk about Doctor Who, but 
if Doctor Magazine, when he left, he didn't do an exit interview like most of the no, Doctors no. do. Um, he's not really appear. He didn't really appear in press for Paddington Two and things like that. He just sort of stayed to himself. Around Christmas, he didn't do any extra material for the final episode. No, he, you just got the sense of he's glad to be fucking out of there and he doesn't yeah. want to talk about it right now. I imagine that's a pretty sore one. Yeah. Um. Um. My favorite thing is, I don't know. I honestly don't know. You don't um, have to have one, Chris. It's okay to that's not have That's true. One. That's very true. Um, the f- the first forty minutes of of Heaven Sent. Okay. As just as just a performance everything, from an actor in the role. Everything up until he emerges on Gallifrey, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, ru- and ruins the past forty and ruins the past forty minutes yeah. by being like, "All right, here's my secrets." Like, hang on. Then you just spend billions of years <sighs> defending from having to say what it is. Now you're just like cockily saying. Why don't you just say it then in the first place? And then it turns out to be wrong. The hybrid is me. And then the next episode it's like, you don't know what it is, do you? And he's like, no, I've got no idea. And then at the end, oh, it is you, kind of. It's you and your mate. And it's not a creature. It's just you two fuck stuff up. So um, she probably, uh, she probably, uh, probably split up. Stop being friends. Hey, you ran from your planet because of this, apparently. Uh, even Davros was frightened of the idea. This writing's wanking it. Which brings us to the uh, the um, the final question from Tom. If you were given the chance to ask Stephen Moffat one question about his work on Doctor Who, what would it be? Have a blimmin' week, Tom Monte. Um, I would ask him after much consideration. Did they force you? I, I would ask him why, in the name. Of all that is sacred, good, and right in this crazy infinite universe, do you keep setting shit up and failing spectacularly, or just downright refusing to pay that shit off? You know how stories work. You know how to set up and pay off things because you have proven this in other work. But in terms of season arcs and even the arc of your entire run on Doctor (laughs) Who, you consistently failed or refused to do it. So why? Why? What was craft services like? <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it was good for you to stick around that long. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I had, I had dinner at the Ralph Lock Canteen once. That were all right, but I mean, like when you're on location, Stephen, is that? Is it nice? Did you get some sarnies? Sarnies, sarnies, soup and sarnies. Oh, finally, to bring oh. to bring us out. Uh, oh. uh, <laughs> of this week's episode uh, to finish our epic uh, Infinity War discussion we're going to talk about something completely unrelated oh uh, and uh. you may or may not know I'm talking to these listeners not Chris Chris knows I know Chris knows um, Hasbro just bought Power Rangers yes they did didn't they and in the light of this uh, Exciting? Is exciting the right word? I don't think exciting is the right word. In the light of this news, let's just call it news. I don't think it's exciting. It's just news. Um, it's news. A friend of the show, Charlie, tweeted us, well, 
DM does and said. He slipped into our DMs. Slide into DMs. Um, and... <laughs> oh, my mind sounded gross. He slipped into oh, our DMs. Yeah. Uh, it was very, very sticky. Uh, and <laughs> said, Power Rangers versus Transformers. Discuss. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. That's exactly what he said. Those words. Not even a, how are you, my lovely boys? Um, or, uh, 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 here's that fiver. He doesn't owe us a fiver. Listen. He owes us nothing. If we get a Megazord that is also possibly Optimus Prime, not going to complain. If we get a shared universe of Power Rangers and Transformers that is also part of the shared universe that Transformers already shares (laughs) with G.I. Joe and Mask and Rom and Micronauts and Gem and the Holograms. I'm also not going to complain because I'm just putting this out there. This summer, IEW Comics, the current license holder for all of Hasbro's um, licenses, who have been doing a shared universe for all the Hasbro stuff, are ending their current Transformers universe with the Unicron event and then making a fresh start. If there should happen to be some Power Rangers involvement in this new Transformers universe, I wouldn't complain. (laughs) If If. I were to see Devastator fight, I don't know, the Mighty Morphin Megazord, or the Dragon Zord, I wouldn't complain. Oh, he's grinning right now. If (laughs) I were to see Rita Repulsa make her monster grow and have to be combated by Metroplex or Fortress Maximus or maybe Defensor or Superion, I'd be down with that. I'd be down (gasps) to Clown. There we go. Consider that shit. <laughs> Disgust. <laughs> Ticked off that list. Um, do I do I love Power Rangers? No. Uh, I do love Transformers. Am I going to complain about Transformers and Power Rangers sharing a universe? Shit, no. That that could be rad. Stupid. Yeah. Too right. Um, especially because it, it would not surprise me if the new Transformers universe after IW wrap up this is stupid because the last one was not stupid. Um, it was it had silly moments, but it was quite well constructed and stuff. Um, and ah, well, and that's a together. semi-Transformers pun. Hey, lots of it was quite well constructed. Con. It was, it was, it it was, it was, it it was combining uh, nerd nope. wars. Nope, fucked war. it. Fucked it. Ah, um, uh, I did ah. it right. You fucked it up. Um, <laughs> be better at this, Christopher. Jeez, <laughs> nearly hundred episodes in. Be better. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm down with it. Down with it. How down to clown are you? So down to clown. Would you go down on a clown? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Would you clown with a get down? Maybe. <clears throat> Would you sit down with a clown to watch the get down with Robert Downey Jr. and a bowl of round trees, fruit pastels? Probably not. 
There's a I'm... lot going on there, so I'm not 100% sure. You don't want to sit on a couch? But do you know what? Robert Downey Jr. I mean, and I do want to sit on a couch. The rest of that, I'm not so sure about. Um, you know what I would do? Uh, yeah. I would definitely, if I wanted to get in contact with myself yeah. or you, uh. email us at bigdamncontact at gmail.com or tweet us at bigdamncast with more questions on the relative merits of Power Rangers and Transformers. <laughs> Transformers is the best and um, Power Rangers is not, but I'd like to see them fight, but Transformers would win every time because um, they are ro- autonomous robots and um, Zords are piloted and therefore inherently inferior. Yeah, you say that, but if we're talking about the Mighty Morphin era, they are teenagers with attitude. Shit, man. Yeah. Transformers are cars and robots with attitude. Yeah, but these guys work in the community centre teaching self-defence, boy. Shit. You got me there. Their bullies are wacky as fuck. got me there. (laughs) Yeah, they're all clearly in their early 20s. And two of the people they hang out with are apparently what if, bullies. What if Bulk and Skull become runabout and runamuck's sidekick slash drivers and they go around putting graffiti on shit, like Bulk and Skull putting graffiti on walls and like runabout and runamuck putting graffiti on Earth monuments like they do in the Marvel comic series where they write humans are wimps on the Statue of Liberty because that's a thing that happened in the Marvel Comics Transformers series! It was so bad! I'm sorry, are you sort of warming up to the idea? I mean, I was already warm on the idea. I'm practically boiling now, boy! Right, I'm going to take Matt off the hob. You take guys, off the hob, I'm bubbling over! You guys will see you next week. Come on, let's if we just take you off the... There so many possibilities! Oh, he's steaming! Go, go, former rangers! Robots in the sky!